Welcome to another episode of Corona Cold Reads, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Every Tuesday and Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're getting together on YouTube Live to broadcast a cold reading of a Shakespeare play. Our actors run the gamut from um, non-professional actors to some of the biggest names in uh, North American classical theater. Um, But what we all have in common is just a really genuine love of Shakespeare and In these uncertain, really genuinely scary times, um, what makes us feel better is getting together and listening to the text and exploring these stories together. So hopefully these episodes will bring you comfort as well, and you'll enjoy them as much as we enjoyed recording them. Um, All of the videos are available on our YouTube channel, which you just search My Entertainment World, Um, as well as on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can find the full cast lists, um, as well as lots of other articles and all of our other content that we have going up all the time. Um, Also, you should follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's both myentworld, my E-N-T world. Um, There you'll see, be able to see highlights from all of the recordings, um, as well as you can get the links to watch us live Um, But we also have all sorts of content created just specifically for those platforms. In addition to, um, that's where you can find links to all of our website content as well, which is myentertainmentworld.ca. The videos do stay up after the live recordings. You can watch them after the fact, or you can catch the audio version in the podcast feed, um, which is you just search My Entertainment World in uh, iTunes, and there you'll find all of our different podcast series where we have the favorite series, the Shakespeare series, the nominee interview series, uh, Corona Cold Reads, Corona Movie Club, Season 1, Episode 1, and the My Entertainment World podcast. Um, Tons of different things happening. There's never been a better time to subscribe to our podcast we have so much content happening right now um but you're here for corona cold reads for shakespeare um so these are cold reads for the most part uh, our actors did not have more than a day maybe two if they're lucky um to look over the text if they wanted to most of them didn't have the chance to so it is just them sitting down and reading it cold um, so you'll you'll be able to hear that. There will be some rocky moments and some times when we may have to pause and um, wonder why somebody's got their Zoom on mute or, you know, how things happen. Um, we're all adjusting to these new technologies to cope with what we're going through right now. So I hope you enjoy. We made it. This is the last of our Shakespeare readings, at least for now. Um Love's Labor's Lost is play number 38 in Shakespeare's canon, um, in our random ordering. We didn't do them in any particular order, but uh, it is our 38th play, um, and it is the final play of the Corona Cold Reads Shakespeare season, um, which really got us through quite a lot um, in the first few months of the pandemic. And not even first few. It was We started on, I believe, March 24th. Um, and we finished on August, I believe the 18th, um, but it was definitely March to August was how long it took us doing two readings a week to make it all the way through Shakespeare's entire canon. Um, so this is it. This is the last one. We had saved Love's Labor's Lost because 
what happened was we sort of front loaded a lot of the really great plays because we just didn't know how long we'd be going. Um, you know, when I scheduled as you like it, which is my personal favorite play to be week one, um, the very first reading that we did, I didn't know that we'd do even a second one, let alone a 38th. Um, so we had done a lot of the really great ones and about halfway through around when we finished the Henry ad cycle in May, I realized that we were going to have to save something, save something fun. I wanted to end on a comedy and I wanted to end on something that I consider fairly good. Um, you know, no going out on Merry Wives or Comedy of Errors. Um, and I, you know, I'm not personally a huge fan of, of Dream, even though it's very, very popular. Um, so I wanted to save something good, something interesting and something funny and something light. And, um, I also really wanted to make sure it was an ensemble piece. And I think that Love's Labor is Lost is one of uh, Shakespeare's great ensemble pieces. It's very difficult to locate a lead. Um, there is no real leading man, leading lady. There are uh, lots of people who have different shining moments. Um, the subplot is not my favorite thing as happens all the time. You will notice this theme in the intros to these things is that subplots are not really my jam. Um, it has one of the goofier subplots in all of Shakespeare and it is headed up by Don Adriado de Armado, um, which, who is a really super goofy nonsense character who, um, I don't even really know how to describe to you what he gets up to during this play. Um, but for me, what this play is really is about the four main couples, which is you have a little foursome of women and a little foursome of men. And the men are silly nonsense men who are at university and they're studying and they swear this ridiculous oath to swear off all women in romance uh, in order to dedicate themselves to their study, which is just among the great classic bad ideas in the world. And so then what you see throughout the play is they introduce these four women, all of whom are just like smart, funny, interesting, like just really fabulous women. And all of their oaths unravel completely. And it's sort of this uh, slow kind of inevitable march towards abandoning their, their ridiculous oaths in order to find happiness and let themselves be loved um, and then one of the other great strengths of this play is it ends bittersweetly. Um, no one really gets, everyone gets what they want and then everybody's left not being able to have what they got, um, which is brutal. It, it's a lot like if Romeo and Juliet ended at act three, scene five, um, it, you know, you, you get so close, you find your happiness, which is, you know, half the battle, not even half, 85% of the battle in life, um, in terms of happiness is like finding your person and then not for, for whatever stupid reason, not being able to be with them. That's just brutal. Um, and so as far as comedies go, there's a real bittersweet, bittersweetness to this one, which I always just find so lovely. A lot of Shakespeare's comedies are these really complex, bittersweet, beautiful things, and then they end in a sort of conveniently happy way. And that's never sat super well with me. And so Love's Labor's Lost, and it's it's just kind of, you know, maybe 
it has hope in the end, but it's got a sadness to it, um, at least for now, that I think is really effective and really affecting. Um, and yeah, sure, the subplot's not for me, but that main plot, oh, it's pretty special. And there's some really great poetry and there's some really great wordplay. And Barone has this speech about losing our oaths to find ourselves that is just so, mm, it's like epic and fabulous. And uh, it's just, it's a great play. Um, it's not 100% great. It's not a huge commercial hit. It's not considered at the top of the canon, but what's great about it is great about it. And I think it's a really fun play to end on, especially with how we were planning to approach our final reading, um, which is to completely blow it up and do absolutely insane things. Um, so what we did was what we wanted to get as many people involved as possible, because over the course of Corona Cold Reads, we had had so many different people over a hundred different people came and joined our readings and we had so many different personalities and it was we really wanted to include all of those people as a sort of nod to even if you only did one or two readings you were a part of this and we were all in it together and that was the only reason we made it all the way through and so we wanted to throw open those doors but of course um, specifically the comedies have a limited cast list there aren't endless messengers and soldiers and things you know you can do when you when we did henry the fourth part two i counted them all up and found there were 47 speaking roles that is not the case with the comedies the comedies are usually about 15 maybe even fewer and so we had to find a solution to be able to include as many people as possible so what we did was we broke down all of the major characters so there are some people who are the smaller parts, um, you know, Dull, for example, was played by Timothy Ng the whole way through. Jacanetta was played by Jeff Dingle the whole way through. Um, but the larger parts we divided by act. So we have, um, for example, uh, Boyer is in act. I believe Boyer is not in act one, but in act two, he was played by Andrew Hawley. In act four, he was David Armstrong. And in act five, he was Michael Ross Albert. Um, same thing, Don Adriano was Victoria Urquhart, then Christopher Prentice, then Morgan Ford, then Shailen McFall. So we broke things down based on their appearances and how much text they were doing in each individual section of the piece. We tried for the most part to pair people up so that the casting would change simultaneously. So um, especially because it is such a couple-based show, um, we wanted you know, Barone number three to line up with Rosaline number three, uh, so that people were playing opposite the same partner the whole time, even if they weren't play saying necessarily the character wasn't played by the same people all the time, um, so that we were carrying over some chemistry. Uh, what we did, we did pair up a few of our favorite couplings, a few people who had had fabulous chemistry in an earlier reading. We had them reunite um, to do their one or two scenes in as, as partners in Love's Labor. So we had Nick and Campos paired back with Elizabeth Morris, who were Troilus and Cressida. Um, we had a real couple. Uh, one of our Ferdinands and uh, Princess of France's were Elizabeth Ramirez and her partner, Liv, or her wife, Liv Clausen. McCarger. So it's really um, Mariah and 
Longville were real life couple, Melissa Wright and Mark Crater, uh, Catherine and Dumaine, same thing, Jason Chappelle and Samantha Chappelle. So it was really fun to have some real couples doing those things, especially the ones who were in the same space together. Um, and we had just this huge, sprawling, inclusive cast, which was just such a fun thing to have, to have all of these people who'd participated to make Corona Cold Reads so special as we navigated through Shakespeare, um, all come together to contribute to this weird, wacky, admittedly, probably pretty hard to follow, um, Love's Labor is Lost. So it will be tricky um, to just try especially i think the audio version will be especially difficult if you can maybe watch the youtube version which you can find on my entertainment or youtube.com slash my entertainment world um you yeah it just might be easier to have some visual cues um to keep you lined up with who's who but if you can if you'd rather listen here that's totally fine you're just gonna have to focus um and use some context clues to make sure because the voices are going to change pretty much every appearance of the character it will be a new actor um but that was the fun of it. And we took a play that is um, sort of underrated, uh, maybe a little misunderstood. And we blew it up and made it sillier and had a lot of fun with it and played it with sincerity. And really, at the end of the day, that's all we do around here is take things off their pedestal, try to make them fun and try to make them honest. And uh, we just love Shakespeare. And that's why we did it. So Yes, I'm signing off for a while. I'm getting nostalgic recording this intro to my last Shakespeare. But now I've been talking for so long, you've probably gotten very bored of me. So without further ado, I'm going to turn you over to my troupe in their entirety to read Love's Labor's Lost. Thanks for joining us, guys. This has been really fun. And it's really meant a lot to me that anybody tuned in at all. So thank you. Let fame that all haunt after in their lives, live registered upon our brazen tombs, and then grace us in the disgrace of death. When, spite of cormorant devouring time, the endeavor of this present breath may buy that honor which shall bait his side's keen edge and make us heirs of all eternity. Therefore, brave conquerors, for so you are, that war against your own affections and the huge army of the world's desires, our late edict shall strongly stand in force. Navarre shall be the wonder of the world. Our court shall be a little academe, still and contemplative in living art. You three, your own, Dumaine, and Longaville, have sworn for three years' term to live with me, my fellow scholars, and to keep those statutes that are recorded in this schedule here. Your oaths are passed, and now subscribe your names, that his own hand may strike his honor down that violates the smallest branch herein. If you are armed to do as sworn to do, Subscribe to your deep oaths and keep it too. I am resolved. Tis but a three years fast. The mind shall banquet though the body pine. Fat paunches have lean pates and dainty bits make rich the ribs, but bankrupt 
quit quite the wits. My loving lord, Dumaine is mortified. The grosser manner of these worlds delights he throws upon the gross world's baser slaves to love, to wealth, to pomp, I pine and die with all these living in philosophy. I can but say their protestation over so much, dear liege, I have already sworn, that is, to live and study here three years, but there are other strict observances, as not to see a woman in that term, which I hope well is not enrolled there, and one day in a week to touch no food and but one meal on every day beside, the which I hope is not enrolled there, and then to sleep but three hours in the night and not be seen to wink of all the day, when I was wont to think no harm all night and make a dark night too of half the day, which I hope well is not enrolled there. Oh, these are barren tasks, too hard to keep, not to see ladies, study, fast, not sleep. Your oath is past to pass away from these. Let me say no, my liege, and if you please, I only swore to study with your grace and stay here in your court for three years' space. You swore to that, Byron, and to the rest. By yea and nay, sir, then I swore in jest. What is the end of study? Let me know. Why, that to know, which else we should not know. Things hid and barred, you mean, from common sense? Aye, that is study's godlike recompense. Come on, then. I will swear to study so, to know the thing I am forbid to know, as thus, to study where I well may dine, when I to feast expressly am forbid, or study where to meet some mistress fine, when mistresses from common sense are hid. Or having sworn too hard a keeping oath, study to break it and not break my troth. If study's gain be thus and this be so, study knows that which yet it doth not know. Swear me to this and I will ne'er say no. These be the stops that hinder study quite and train our intellect to vain delight. Why all delights are vain? Mm. That most vain which with pain purchased doth inherit pain. As painfully to pore upon a book to seek the light of truth, while truth the while doth falsely blind the eyesight of his look. Light seeking light doth light of light beguile. So, ere you find where light and darkness lies, your light grows dark by losing of your eyes. Study me how to please the eye indeed by fixing it upon a fairer eye, who dazzling so that I shall be his heed and give him light that it was blinded by. Study is like the heaven's glorious sun that will not be deep searched with saucy looks. Small have continual plotters ever won, save base authority from others' books. These earthly godfathers of heaven's light that give a name to every fixed star have no more profit of their shining nights than those that walk and wot not what they are. Too much to know is to know not but fame, and every godfather can give a name. How well he's read to reason against reading. Proceeded well to stop all good proceeding. <laughs> he weeds the corn and still lets grow the weeding. 
<laughs> the spring is near when green geese are breeding. How follows that? Fit in his place and time. In reason, nothing. Something then in rhyme. Birone is like an envious sneeping frost that bites the firstborn infants of the spring. Well then, say I am. Why should proud summer mm. boast before the birds have any cause to sing? Why should I joy in an abortive birth? No. At Christmas, I no more desire a rose than wish a snow in May's newfangled mirth. But like of each thing that in season grows, so you to study now it is too late. Climb o'er the house to unlock the little gate. Well, sit you out. Go home, Biron. Adieu. No, my good lord. I have sworn to stay with you, and though I have for barbarism spoke more than for that angel knowledge you can say, yet confident I'll keep what I have swore and bide the penance of each three years' day. Give me the paper, let me read the same, and to the strictest decrees I'll write my name. How well this yielding rescues thee from shame. Item, that no woman shall come within a mile of my court. Hath this been proclaimed? Four days ago. Let's see the penalty. On pain of losing her tongue. Who devised this penalty? Mary, that did I. Sweet Lord, and why? To fright them hence with that dread penalty. A dangerous law against gentility. Item, if any man be seen to talk with a woman within the term of three years, he shall endure such public shame as the rest of the court can possibly devise this article. My liege, yourself must break, for well you know here comes an embassy, the French king's daughter, with yourself to speak, a maid of grace and complete majesty, about surrender up of Aquitaine to her decrepit sick and bedrid father. Therefore, this article is made in vain, or vainly comes the admired princess hither. Uh, what say you, lords? Why, this was quite forgot. So, study evermore is overshot. While it doth study to have what it would, it doth forget to do the thing it should. And when it hath the thing it hunteth most, tis one as towns with fire, so one, so lost. We must, of force, dispense with this decree. She must lie here on mere necessity. Necessity will make us all forsworn 3,000 times within this three-year space. For every man with his affects is born, not by might mastered, but by special grace. If I break faith, this word shall speak for me. I am forsworn on mere necessity. So to the laws at large, I write my name. And he that breaks them in the least degree stands in attainder of eternal shame. Suggestions are to other as to me, but I believe, although I seem so loath, I am the last that will last keep his oath. But is there no quick 
recreation granted. Ah, aye, that there is. <laughs> Our court, you know, is haunted with a refined traveler of Spain, a man in all the world's new fashion planted that hath a mint of phrases in his brain, one whom the music of his own vain tongue doth ravish like enchanting harmony, a man of compliments whom right and wrong have chose as umpire of their mutiny. Uh, this child of fancy, that armado height, for interim to our studies shall relate in high-born words the worth of many a knight from tawny Spain lost in the world's debate. How you delight, my lords, I know not. I know not, I. But I protest. I love to hear him lie, and I will use him for my minstrelsy. Armado is a most illustrious white, a man of fire new words, fashion's own knight. Clustered mm -hmm. the swain, and he shall be our sport. And so to study, three years is but short. Enter Dull with a letter and Custard. Which is the Duke's own person? This fellow, what wouldst? I myself reprehend his own person, for I am his grace's thoroughbrow. But I would see his own person in flesh and blood. This is he. Signor Arm, Arm commends you. There's villainy abroad. This letter will tell you more. Sir, the contempts thereof are as touching me. A letter from the magnificent Armado. How low soever the matter. I hope in God for high words. Uh, I hope. For a low heaven, God grant us patience. To hear or to forbear laughing? To hear meekly, sir, and to laugh moderately, or to forbear both. Well, sir, be it as the style shall give us cause to climb in the, uh, in the merriness. Uh, the matter is to me, sir, as concerning Jaconetta. The manner is of this... I was taken with the manner. In what manner? In the manner and form following, sir. All those three. I was seen with her in the manor house, sitting with her upon the form, and taking following her into the park, which uh, put together is in manner and form following. Now, sir, for the manner, it is the manner of a man to speak to a woman for the form in some form. For the following, sir? As it shall follow in my correction, and God defend the right. Will you hear this letter with attention? As we would hear an oracle. Ah. Such is the simplicity of a man to hearken after the flesh. Great deputy, the Welkin's vice-garant and sole dominator of Navarre, my soul's earth's god and body's fostering patron. Not a word of costard yet. So it is. It may be so, but if he say it is so, he is in telling true, but so. Peace. Be to me and every man that dares not fight. No words. Of other man's secrets, I beseech you. Hmm. So it is, besieged with sable-colored melancholy, 
I did commend the black oppressive humor to the most wholesome physic of thy health-giving air. <laughs> and as I am a gentleman, betook myself to walk. The time when, about the sixth hour, when beasts most graze, birds best peck, and men sit down to that nourishment which is called supper. Easy there, Longaville. Uh, <laughs> um, supper, 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 which is called supper. So much for the time when, indeed. Now for the ground which, which I mean I walked upon. It is why clept thy park. Thanks for that. Then for the place where, where I mean I did encounter that obscene and preposterous event that draweth from my snow white pen the ebon colored ink which here thou viewest, beholdest, surveyest, or seest. But to the place where it standed north, north, east, and by east from the west corner of thy curious knotted garden, why clept thy park, there did I see that low-spirited swain, there did I see that low-spirited swain, that base minnow of mirth. Me? That unlettered, small-knowing soul. Me? That shallow vassal. Still me? Which, as I remember, height costard. Oh, me. Hmm. Sorted and consorted, contrary to thy established proclaimed edict and continent canon, which with, oh, with, but with this passion, with this I passion to say wherewith, with a wench. With a child of our grandmother Eve. A female. Or for thy more sweet understanding, a woman. Him I, as my ever esteemed duty pricks me on, have sent to thee to receive the meed of punishment. By thy sweet graces, officer, Antony Dull. A man of good repute, carriage, bearing, and estimation. Me and shall please you, I am Anthony Dole. For Jaconetta, so is the weaker vessel called, which I apprehended with the aforesaid swain. I keep her as a vessel of the law's fury, and shall, at the least of thy sweet notice, bring her to trial. Thine in all compliments of devoted and heart-burning heat of duty, Don Adriano de Armado. <laughs> this is not so well as I looked for, but the best that ever I heard. Mm-hmm. Aye, the best for the worst. But, Sirrah, what say you to this? Sir, I confess the wench. Did you hear the proclamation? I do confess much of the hearing it, but little of the marking of it. It was proclaimed a year's imprisonment to be taken with a wench. I was taken with none, sir. I was taken with a damsel. Well, it was proclaimed damsel. <laughs> was no damsel neither, sir. She was a virgin. It is so varied too, for it was proclaimed virgin. If it were, I deny her virginity. I was taken with a maid. This maid will not serve your turn, sir. 
Oh, this maid will serve my turn, sir. Sir, I will pronounce your sentence. You shall fast a week with bran and water. I had rather pray a month with mutton and porridge. And Don Armado shall be your keeper. <laughs> my Lord Biron, let him see him delivered o'er. And go we, lords, to put in practice that which we each to other have so strongly sworn. I'll lay my head to any good man's hat. These oaths and laws will prove an idle scorn. Sarah, come on. I suffer for the truth, sir, for true is it is, I was taken with Jaconetta, and Jaconetta is a true girl, and therefore welcome the sour cup of prosperity. Affliction may one day smile again, and till then, sit thee down, sorrow. Scene two, the same, enter Don Adriano de Armado and Moth. What sign is it when a man of great spirit grows melancholy? A great sign, sir, that he will look sad. <sighs> Why? Sadness is one and the self same thing, dear imp. No, no, oh lord, sir, no. Canst thou part sadness and melancholy, my tender juvenile? By a familiar demonstration of the working, my tough signor. Tough signor? Why tough signor? Why tender juvenile? Why tender juvenile? I spoke it, tender juvenile, as a congruent epithet appertaining to thy young days, which we may nominate tender. I, tough senor, as an appertinent title to your old time, which we may name tough. Pretty and apt. How mean you, sir? I pretty and my saying apt, or I apt and my saying pretty? Thou pretty because little. Little pretty because little? Wherefore apt? And therefore apt because quick. Speak you this in my praise, master? In thy condign praise. I will praise an eel with the same praise. What? That an eel is ingenious? That an eel is quick. I do say that thou art quick in answers, thou heatest my blood. I am answered, sir. I love not to be crossed. He speaks. The mere contrary crosses love, not him. I have promised to study three years with the Duke. You may do it in an hour, sir. Impossible. How many is one thrice told? I am ill at reckoning. It fitted the spirit of a tapster. You are a gentleman and a gamester, sir. I confess both. They are both the varnish of a complete man. Then I am sure you know how much the gross sum of deuce ace amounts to. It does amount to one more than two. Which the base vulgar do call three? 
are true. Why, sir, is this such a piece of study? Now here is three studied air yield thrice wink and how easy it is to put years to the word three and study three years in two words, the dancing horse will tell you. A most fine figure. To prove you a cipher. I will hereupon confess I am in love. And as it is base for a soldier to love, so am I in love with a base wench. If drawing my sword against the humor of affection would deliver me from the reprobate thought of it, I would take desire prince prisoner and ransom him to any French courtier for a new devised courtesy. I think scorn to sigh. Methinks I could outswear Cupid. Comfort me, boy. What great men have been in love. Hercules, master. Most sweet Hercules. More authority, dear boy. Name more and sweet, my child. Let them be men of good repute and carriage. Uh, Samson, master, he was a man of good carriage, great carriage, for he carried the town gates on his back like a porter, and he was in love. Oh, well-knit Samson, strong-jointed Samson. I do excel thee in my rapier as much as thou didst me in carrying gates. I am in love, too. Who was Samson's love, my dear Maud? A woman, master. Of what complexion? Of all the four, or three, or the two, or, or one of the four. Tell me precisely of what complexion. Of the seawater green, sir. Is that one of the four complexions? As I have read, sir, and the best of them do. Green is indeed the color of lovers. But to have a love of that color, methinks Samson had a small reason for it. He surely affected her for her wit. It was so, sir, for she had a green wit. My love is most immaculate, white and red. Most masculine thoughts, master, are masked under such colors. Define, define, well-educated infant. Well, my father's wit and my mother's tongue assist me. Sweet invocation of a child, most pretty and pathetical. If she be made of white and red, her faults will ne'er be known. For blushing cheeks with faults are bred, and fears by pale white shown. Then, if she fear or, or be to blame, but this you shall not know, for still her cheeks possess the same which native she doth owe, a dangerous rhyme master against the reason of white and red. Is there not a ballad, boy, of the king and the beggar? The world was very guilty of such a ballad some three ages since, but I think now tis not to be found, or if it were, it would neither serve for the writing nor the tune. I will have that subject newly writ over, that I may exemplify my digression by some mighty precedent. Boy. I do love that country girl that I took in the park with the rational hind costard. She deserves well. To be whipped and yet a better love than my master. Sing, boy. My, faith, my spirit grows heavy in love. And that's great marvel, loving a light wench. I'd say sing. 
forbear till this company be passed. Enter Dole Custard and Yaconetta. Jaconetta? I don't know. Jaquinetta? <laughs> Drink. Uh, uh, sir, um, the Duke's pleasure is that you keep Custard safe and you must suffer him to take no delight nor no penance. Uh, but I must fast three days a week. For this damsel, I must keep her at the park. She is not, she is allowed for the day woman. Uh, fare you well. I do betray myself with blushing. Maid. Man. I will visit thee at the lodge. Mm. That's hereby. I know where it is situate. Lord, how wise you are. I will tell thee wonders. Oh, with that face? I love thee. Yeah, so I heard you say. And so, farewell. Farewell after you. Come, Jacquinetta, away. Thanks, and Dolan Jacquinetta. Villain, thou shalt fast for thy offenses ere thou be pardoned. Scared him right off. Custard, you're needed. My name is Adriana de Armado. You are scared off my Jacquinetta. <laughs> Killing it, master. Custard! <laughs> Where are you? You're still in Act One, right? Saya, that's you. Saya? Yes, you, Saya. Run! <laughs> ah, apologies, Nemesis. I shall never forgive you. Well, sir, I hope when I do it, I shall do it on a full stomach. Thou shalt be heavily punished. I am more bound to you than your fellows, for they are but lightly rewarded. Take away this villain. Shut him up. Come, Run. you... Come, you transgressing slave. Away! Let me not be pent up, sir. I will fast being loose. No, sir, that we're fast and loose, thou shalt to prison. Well, if I ever do see the merry days of desolation that I have seen, some shall see. What shall some see? Nay, nothing, Master Moth, but what they look upon. It is not for prisoners to be too silent in their words, and therefore I will say nothing. I thank God I have as little patience as another man, and therefore I can be quiet. Exit Moth and Custard. To affect the very ground, which is base, where her shoe, which is baser, guided by her foot, which is basest, doth tread. I shall be forsworn, which is a great argument of falsehood, if I love. And how can that be true love, which is falsely attempted? Oh, love is a familiar. Love is a devil. There is no evil angel but love. Yet, was Samson so tempted? 
and he had an excellent strength. Yet was Solomon so seduced, and he had a very good wit. Cupid's butt shaft is too hard for Hercules' club, and therefore too much odds for a Spaniard's rapier. The first and second cause will not serve my turn. The Pasado he respects not. The Duello he regards not. His disgrace is to be called boy, but his glory is to subdue men. Adieu, valor, rust, rapier. Be still, drum, for your manager is in love. Yea, he loveth. Assist me, some extemporal god of rhyme, for I am sure I will turn sonnet. <clears throat> Devise, wit, write, pen, for I am for whole volumes in folio. Exit. Act two, scene one, the same. Enter Princess of France, Rosaline, Mariah, Catherine, Boyer, Lords, and other attendants. Now, madam, summon up your dearest spirits. Consider who the king your father sends, to whom he sends, and what's his embassy. Yourself, held precious in the world's esteem, to parley with the sole inheritor of all perfections that a man may owe. Matchless Navarre the plea of no less weight than Aquitaine, a dowry for a queen. Be now as prodigal of all dear grace as nature was in making graces dear. When she did starve, the general rolled beside and prodigally gave them all to you. <laughs> Good Lord Boyer! My beauty, though but mean, needs not the painted flourish of your praise. Beauty is bought by judgment of the eye not uttered by base sale of Chapman's tongues. I am less proud to hear you tell my worth than you much willing to be counted wise in spending your wit in the praise of mine. But now, to task the tasker. Good boyer, you are not ignorant, all telling fame doth noise abroad. Navarre hath made a vow, till painful study shall outwear three years, no woman may approach his silent court. Therefore, to seemeth it a needful course before we enter his forbidden gates to know his pleasure. And in that behalf, bold of your worthiness, we single you as our best-moving fair solicitor. Tell him, the daughter of the King of France, on serious business, craving quick dispatch in Portune's personal conference with his grace. Haste signifies so much while we attend, like humble-visaged humble suitors, his high will. Proud of employment, willingly I go. All pride is willing pride, and yours is so. Who are the votaries, my loving lords, that are vow-fellows with this virtuous duke? Lord Longueville is one. Know you the man? Mm. Just following the rules, missed it. I know him, madam. 
at a marriage feast between Lord Perigord and the beauteous heir of Jacques Falconbridge, solemnized in Normandy, saw I this Longueville, a man of sovereign parts he is esteemed, well fitted in arts, glorious in arms. Nothing becomes him ill that he would well. The only soil of his fair virtue's gloss, if virtue's gloss will stain with any soil, is a sharp wit matched with too blunt a will, whose edge hath power to cut, whose will still wills it should none spare that come within his power. Oh, some merry mocking lord belike. Is it so? They say so most that most his humours know. Oh, such short-lived wits do wither as they grow. Who are the rest? The young Dumaine, a well-accomplished youth, of all that virtue loved for virtue loved, most power to do most harm, least knowing ill, for he hath wit to make an ill-shape good, and shape to win grace, though he had no wit. I saw him at the Duke Alencon's once, and much too little of that good I saw is my report to his great worthiness. Another of the students at that time was there with him, if I have heard a truth. Barone, they call him. But a merrier man within the limit of becoming mirth, I never spent an hour's talk with all. His eye begets occasion for his wit. For every object that the one doth catch, the other turns to a mirth-moving jest, which his fair tongue, conceits expositor, delivers in such apt and gracious words that aged ears play truant at his tales, and younger hearings are quite ravished, so sweet and voluble is his discourse. God bless my ladies! Are they all in love, that every one her own hath garnished with such bedecking ornaments of praise? Here comes Boyette. Re-enter Boyet. Now, what admittance, Lord? Navarre had notice of your fair approach, and he and his competitors in oath were all addressed to meet you, gentle lady, before I came. Mary, thus much I have learned. He rather means to launch you in the field, like one that comes here to besiege his count, than seek a dispensation for his oath to let you enter his unpeopled house. Here comes Navarre. Enter Ferdinand, Longueville, Dumaine, Verone, and attendants. Oh. Uh, fair princess, welcome to the court of Navarre. Fair, I give you back again, and welcome, I have not yet. The roof of this court is too high to be yours. And welcome to the wide fields, too base to be mine. You shall be welcome, madam, to my court. I will be welcome, then. Conduct me thither. Hear me, dear lady. I have sworn an oath. Our lady, help my lord. He'll be forsworn. Oh, not for the world, fair madam, by my will. <laughs> Why, will shall break it will and nothing else your ladyship is ignorant what it is were my lord so his ignorance were wise where now his knowledge must prove ignorance i hear your grace hath sworn out housekeeping tis deadly sin to keep that oath my lord and sin to break it but pardon me i am too sudden bold 
to teach a teacher ill beseemeth me, vouchsafe to read the purpose of my coming, and suddenly resolve me in my suit. Madam, I will, if suddenly I may. You will the sooner that I were away, for you'll prove perjured if you make me stay. Did not I dance with you in Brabant once? Did not I dance with you in Brabant once? <laughs> I know you did. How needless was it then to ask the question? You must not be so quick. Tis long of you that spur me with such questions. Your wit's too hot, it speeds too fast, twill tire. Uh, not till I leave it leave the rider in the mire. What time of day? The hour that fools should ask. Now fair befall your mask. Fair fall the basic covers. And send you many lovers. Amen, so you be none. <laughs> Nay, then will I be gone. Madam, your father here doth intimate the payment of a hundred thousand crowns. Being, being but the one half of an entire son dispersed by my father in his wars, but say that we, he or we, as neither have received that sum, yet there remains unpaid a hundred thousand more. In surety of the which one part of Aquitaine is bound to us, although not valued to the money's worth. If then the king your father will restore but that one half which is unsatisfied, we will give up our right in Aquitaine and hold fair friendship with his majesty. But that, it seems, he little purposeth, for here he doth demand to have, repay, to have repaid a hundred thousand crowns, and not demands on payment of a hundred thousand crowns to have his title live in Aquitaine, which we much rather had depart withal and have the money by our father lent than Aquitaine so gelded as it is. Dear princess, were not his requests so far from reasons yielding, your fair, your fair self should make a, against, a yielding against some reason in my breast and go well satisfied to France again. You do the king, my father, too much wrong and wrong the reputation of your name in so unseeming to confess receipt of that which hath been so faithfully paid. I do protest. I never heard of it. And if you prove it, I'll repay back or yield up Aquitaine. We arrest your word. Boyer, you can produce acquittances for such a sum from special officers of Charles, his father. Satisfy me so. So please, your grace, the packet is not come, where that and other specialties are bound. Tomorrow you shall have a sight of them. It shall suffice me. At which interview all liberal reason I will yield unto. Meantime, receive such welcome at my hand as honor without breach of, as honor without breach of honor may make tender, make tender of to thy true worthiness. You may not come, fair princess, in my gates, but here without you shall be so received as you shall deem yourself lodged in my heart, uh, though so denied fair harbor in my house. Your own good thoughts excuse me and farewell. Tomorrow shall we visit you again. Sweet health and fair desires consort your grace.
Thy own wish, wish I thee in every place. Exit. Lady, I will commend you to mine own heart. Pray you, do my commendations. I would be glad to see it. I would you heard it groan. Is the fool sick? Sick at heart. Alack, let it blood. Would that do it good? My physic says I. Will you prick it with your eye? No point with my knife. <laughs> now, God save thy life. And yours from long living. I cannot stay Thanksgiving. Tiring. Sir, I pray you a word. Uh, what lady is that saying? The heir of Alan Khan. Catherine, her name. Mm, a gallant lady, monsieur. Uh, fare you well. Exit. I beseech you a word. What is she in the white? A woman sometimes, and you saw her in the light. Perchance light in the light. I desire her name. She hath but one for herself. To desire that were a shame. Gods, pray, pray you, who, sir, whose daughter? Her mother's, I have heard. God, blessing on your beard. Good sir, be not offended. She is an heir of Falconbridge. Nay, my collar's ended. She is a most sweet lady. Not unlike, sir, that may be. Mm -hmm. Exit Longville. What's her name in the cap? Rosalind by Goodhap. Is she wedded or no? To her will, sir, or so. You are welcome, sir. Adieu. Farewell to me, sir, and welcome to you. Exit Brown. That last is Barone, the merry madcap lord. Not a word with him, but a jest. And every jest, but a word. It was well done of you to take him at his word. I was as willing to grapple as he was to board. Two hot sheeps, Mary. And wherefore not ships? No sheep, sweet lamb, unless we feed on your lips. You sheep, and I pasture. Shall that finish the jest? So you grant pasture for me? Offering to kiss her. <laughs> Not so, gentle beast. My lips are no common, though several they be. Belonging to whom? To my fortunes and me. <laughs> Good wits will be jangling. But gentles, agree. This civil war of wits were much better used on Navarre and his bookmen, for here tis abused. If my observation, which very seldom lies, by the heart still rhetoric disclosed with eyes, to seem me not now, Navarre is infected. With what? With that which we lovers entitle affected. Your reason? Why... All his behaviors did make their retire to the court of his eye, peeping through desire. 
his heart like an agate with your print impressed, proud with his form in his eye pride expressed. His tongue, all impatient to speak and not see, did stumble with haste in his eyesight to be. All senses to that sense did make their repair to feel only looking on fairest of fair. We thought all his senses were locked in his eye as jewels and crystal for some prince to buy who, tendering their own worth from where they were glassed, did point you to buy them, along as you passed. His face, his own margent, did quote such amazes that all eyes saw his eyes enchanted with gazes. I'll give you Aquitaine and all that is his, and you give him for my sake but one loving kiss. Come to our pavilion. Boyer is disposed. But to speak that in words, which his eye hath disclosed, I only made a mouth of his eye, by adding a tongue which I know will not lie. Thou art an old lovemonger, and speakest skillfully. He is Cupid's grandfather, and learns news of him. Then was Venus like her mother, for her father is but grim. Do you hear, my mad wenches? No. What then do you see? I, our way to be gone. <laughs> you are too hard for me. Exempt. Act three, scene one, the same. Enter Don Adriano de Armado and Moth. Warble, child. Make passionate my essence of hearing. Con Colino. Oh, a sweet air. Go, tenderness of years. Take this key, give enlargement to the swain, bring him festinately hither. I must employ him in a letter to my love. Master, will you win your love with a French brawl? How meanest thou? Brawling in French? No, my complete master. But to jig off a tune at the tongue's end, canary to it with your feet, humor it with turning up your eyelids, sigh a note and sing a note, sometimes through the throat, as if you swallowed love with singing love, sometimes through the nose, as if you sniffed up love by smelling love with your hat penthouse-like o'er the shop of your eyes, with your arms crossed on your thin belly, dubbed it like a rabbit on a spit, or your hands in your pocket like a man after the old painting, and keep not too long in one tune, but a snip and away. These are common, these are humors, these betray nice wenches that would be betrayed without these, and make them men of note. Do you note me? The most are affected to these. How hast thou purchased these By my penny of observation. But oh, but oh. The hobby horses forgot. Calls thou me my love, hobby horse? No, master. The, the hobby horse is but a colt, and your love perhaps a hackney. But have you forgot your love? Mm. Almost I had. 
Negligent student. Learn her by heart. By heart. An in heart boy. And out of heart, master. All those three I will prove. What would thou prove? A man, if, if I live, in this, by in, and without upon the instant. By heart you love her, because your heart cannot come by her. In heart you love her because your heart is in love with her. And out of heart you love her, being out of heart that you cannot enjoy her. I am all these three. <laughs> and three times as much more. And yet, nothing at all. If fetch hither the swain. He must carry me a letter. Mm, well, a message well sympathized. A horse to be ambassador for an ass. Ha! Ah, what sayest thou? Well, Mary, sir, you, you must send the ass upon the horse, for he is very slow-gated. But I go. Well, the way is short. Away. As swift as lead, sir. Uh, the meaning, pretty ingenious, is not lead a metal heavy, dull and slow? Uh... Minai, master, uh, honest master, or rather, master, uh, no. I say, lead is slow. You are too swift to say so. Is that lead slow, which is fired from a gun? <laughs> a sweet, a smoke of rhetoric. He reputes a cannon and a bullet. That's he. I shoot thee at the swain. Something and likely. A most acute juvenile, voluble and free of grace. By thy favor, a sweet welkin, I must sigh in thy face. Most rude, melancholy, valiant, gives valor, gives thee place. My herald is returned. Re-enter Moth with Custard. A wonder, master, here's a costard broken in a shin. Some enigma, some riddle. Come, thy l'envoy. Uh, no, no enigma, no riddle, no l'envoy, no salve in the mail, sir. Oh, sir, plantain, a plain plantain. No l'envoy, no l'envoy, no salve, sir, but a plantain. By virtue thou... <laughs> enforces laughter thy silly thought my spleen the heaving of my lungs provokes me to ridiculous smiling oh pardon me my stars doth the inconsiderate take salve for l'envoy and the word l'envoy for a salve do the wise think them other is not l'envoy a salve no page it is an epilogue or discourse to make plain some obscure precedence that hath forced to forbin sane. I will sample it. The fox, the ape, and the humble bee were still at odds, being but three. There's the moral. Now, the l'envoy. I will add the l'envoy. Say the moral again. The fox, the ape, and the humble bee were still at odds, being but three. Until the goose came out of door, 
and state the odds by adding four. Now, will I begin your moral? And do you follow with my l'envoi? The, the fox, the ape, and the humble bee were still at odds being but three. Until the goose came out of door, the odds by adding four. A good l'envoi ending in the goose, would you desire more? Uh, the boy hath sold him a bargain, a goose. That's flat. Uh, sir, your pennyworth is good and your goose be fat. Uh, to sell a bargain well is as cunning as fast and loose. Uh, let me see. A fat one boy. Aye. Yeah. That is a fat goose. Come hither. Come hither. How did this argument begin? by saying that a custard was broken in a shin, then called you for the l'envoi. Uh, true, and I for a plantain, thus came your argument in. Um, then the boy's fat l'envoi, the goose that you bought, and he ended the market. But tell me, how was there a custard broken in a shin? I will tell you sensibly. Uh, Thou hast no feeling of it, moth. Oh, my God. I will speak that l'envoi. I could start running out that was safely within, fell over the threshold and broke my shin. We will talk no more of this matter. Uh, till there be more matter in the shin. Sire <laughs> Costard, I will enfranchise thee. Oh. Marry me to one Francis. I smell some lawn boy, some goose in this. <laughs> By my sweet soul, I mean setting thee at liberty and freedoming thy person. Thou wert immured, restrained, captivated, bound. Well, true, true. And now you will be my purg purgation and let me loose. <laughs> I give thee thy liberty. Whoa. Set thee free from durance, and in lieu thereof, impose on thee nothing but this. Bear this significant to the country-made Caquineta. There is remuneration for the best ward of mine. Honor is rewarding my dependence. Mot, follow. Is it? Like the sequel, I, Senor Castard, adieu. My sweet ounce of man's flesh, my incony Jew. Exit, Moth. Now will I look to this remuneration. Uh, remuneration. Oh, that is Latin word for three farthings. Three farthings. Remuneration. Right. What's the price of this inkle? One penny. No, I'll give you a remuneration. Why? It carries it. Remuneration. Why, it's a fair name than French crown. I will never buy and sell out of this word. Enter Baron. Hey, Baron. Oh! My good name, Costard, exceedingly well met. Pray you, sir, how much carnation ribbon may a man buy for remuneration? What is, what is remuneration? Mary, sir, half a penny farthing. Uh, why then, three farthing worth of silk? Oh, I thank your worship. God be with you. 
Well, uh, stay, slave. I must employ thee. As thou wilt win my favor, good my knave, do one thing for me that I shall entreat. Uh, when would you have it done, sir? This afternoon. Well, I will do it, sir. Very well. Thou knowest not, thou knowest not what it is. Oh, uh, I shall know, sir, when I've done it. Why, villain, thou must know first. Oh, I will come to your worship tomorrow morning. It must be done this afternoon. (laughs) Hark, slave, it is but this. The princess comes to hunt here in the park, and in her train there is a gentle lady. When tongues speak sweetly, then they name her name, and Rosaline they call her. Ask for her, and to her white hand see thou commend this sealed up counsel. There's thy guerdon. Go. Gardon. Oh, sweet Gardon. Better than remuneration. Uh, 11 pence farthing better. No sweet Gardon. I will do it, sir. In print. Gardon. Remuneration. Exit. And I, forsooth, in love, that have been love's whip, a very beetle to a humorous sigh, a critic, nay, a white, a night watch constable, a domineering pedant or the boy, than whom no mortal's so magnificent. This wimpled, whining, purblind, wayward boy, this senior, junior, giant dwarf, Dan Cupid, regent of love rhymes, lord of folded arms, the anointed sovereign of sighs and groans, liege of all loiterers and malcontents, dread prince of plackets, king of codpieces, sole imperator and great general of trotting parators. Oh, my little heart! And I, to be a corporal of his field and wear his colors like a tumbler's hoop. What? I, I love, I sue, I seek a wife. A woman, that is like a German clock, still a repairing, ever out of frame, never going aright. Being a watch, but being watched that it may still go right. Nay, to be perjured, which is worst of all, and among three, to love the worst of all. A whitely wanton with a velvet brow, with two pitch balls stuck in her face for eyes. I, and by heaven, one that will do the deed, though Argus were her eunuch and her guard, and I to sigh for her, to watch for her, to pray for her. Go to. It is a plague that Cupid will impose for my neglect of his almighty dreadful little might. Well, I will love, write, sigh, pray, sue, and groan. Some men must love my lady, and some Joan. Exit. Act 4, scene 1, the same. Enter the princess and her train, a forester, Boyer, Rosalind, Mariah, and Catherine. Was that the king 
that spurred his horse so hard against the steep uprising of the hill? I know not, but I think it was not he. Whoever it was, showed a mounting mind. Uh, well, lords, today we shall have our dispatch. On Saturday, we will return to France. Ben Forrester, my friend, where is the bush that we must stand and play the murderer in? Hereby, upon the end of yonder coppice, the stand where you make the fairest shoot. I thank my beauty. I am fair that shoot, and thereupon thou speakest the fairest shoot. Pardon me, madam, for I meant not so. But what, first praise me and again say no? Short-lived pride, not fair, alack for woe. Yes, madam, fair. Nay, never paint me now. Where fair is not, praise cannot mend the brow. Here, good my glass, take this for telling me true. Fair payment for foul words is more than due. Nothing is fair, but fair is that which you inherit. You see, my beauty will be saved by merit. Oh, heresy and fair, fit for these days. A giving hand, though foul, shall have fair praise. But come the bow, now mercy goes to kill, and shooting well is then accounted ill. Thus will I save my credit in the shoot. Not wounding, pity would not let me do it. If wounding, then it was to show my skill, that more for praise than purpose meant to kill. And out of question so it is sometimes, glory grows guilty of detested crimes. When for fame's sake, for praise, an outward part, we bend to that the working of the heart. As I for praise alone now seek to spill the poor dear's blood, that my heart means no ill. Not cursed wives hold that self-sovereignty only for praise's sake when they strive to be lords over their lords? Only for praise, and praise we may afford to any lady that subdues a lord. Ah, here comes a member of the Commonwealth. Enter Castard. God dig you den all, pray you, which is the head lady? Thou shalt know her, fellow, by the rest that have no heads. Which is the greatest lady, the highest? The thickest and the tallest. The thickest and the tallest. It is so. Truth is truth. And your waist, mistress, were as slender as my wit. One of these maids' girdles for your waist should be fit. Are not you the chief woman? You are the thickest here. What's your will, sir? What's your will? I have a letter from Monsieur Barone to one Lady Rosaline. Oh, thy letter, thy letter. He's a good friend of mine. Stand aside, good bearer. Boyer, you can carve. Break up this capon. I am bound to serve. This letter is mistook. It importeth none here. It is writ to Jacanetta. We will read it, I swear. Break the neck of the wax and everyone give ear. Read. By heaven that thou art fair is most infallible, true. That thou art beauteous, 
Truth itself that thou art lovely, more fairer than fair, beautiful than beauteous, truer than truth itself, have commiseration on thy heroical vassal. The magnanimous and most illustrate king, Kofutua, set eye upon the pernicious and indubitable beggar, Zenelephalon, and he it was that might rightly say, Veni, vidi, fici, which to anathize in the vulgar, O base and obscure vulgar, Vedislicet. He came, saw, and overcame. He came, one, saw, two, overcame, three. Who came? The king. Why did he come? To see. Why did he see? To overcome. To whom came he? To the beggar. What saw he? The beggar. Who overcame he? The beggar. The conclusion is victory. On whose side? The king's. The captive is enriched. On whose side? The beggars. The catastrophe is a nuptial. On whose side? The king's. No, on both in one or one in both. I am the king, for so stands the comparison. Thou the beggar, for so witnesseth thy lowliness. Shall I command thy love? I may. Shall I enforce thy love? I could. Shall I entreat thy love? I will. What shalt thou exchange for rags, robes, for tittles, titles, for thyself me? Thus, expecting thy reply, I profane my lips on thy foot, my eyes on thy picture, and my heart on thy every part. Thine, in the dearest design of industry, Don Adriano de Armado. Thus, thou hear the name. Nemean lion roar against thee, thou lamb that stands as his prey, submissive, fall his princely feet before, and he from forage will incline to play. But if thou strive, poor soul, what art thou then? Food for his rage, repasture for his den. Oh. What plume of feathers is he that indicted this letter? What vein, what Weathercock, did you ever hear better? I am much deceived, but I remember the style. Else your memory is bad going o'er it erewhile. This armado is a Spaniard that keeps here in court, a phantasm, a monarcho, and one who makes sport the prince and his bookmates. Thou fellow, a word, mm -hmm. who gave thee this letter? I told you, my lord. To whom shouldst thou give it? From my lord to my lady. From which lord to which lady? From my lord, Oron, Oron, a good master of mine, to a lady of France that he called Rosaline. Thou hast mistaken his letter. Come, lords, away. Here, sweet, put up this. Twill be thine another day. Exit princess in train. Who is the suitor? Who is the suitor? Shall I teach you to know? I, my continent of beauty. Why, she that bears the bow. Finally put off. My lady goes to kill horns, but if thou marry, hang me by the neck. If horns that year miscarry, finally put on. Well, then I am the shooter. And who is your dear? If we choose by the horns, yourself come not near. Finally put on indeed. 
you still wrangle with her, Boyer, and she strikes at the brow. But she herself is hit lower. Have I hit her now? Shall I come out upon thee with an old saying that was a man when King Pepin of France was a little boy is touching the hit it? So I may answer thee with one as old that was a woman when Queen Guinevere of Britain was a little wench as touching the hit it. Thou canst not hit it, hit it, hit it. Thou canst not hit it, my good man. Uh, I, I cannot, 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 and I cannot another can. Exit Rosaline and Catherine. By my troth, most pleasant, how both did fit it. A mark marvelous well shot, for they both did hit it. A mark, oh mark, but that mark. A mark, says my lady, let the mark have a prick in it, to meet at, if it may be. Why do the bow hand? Faith, your hand is out. Indeed, I must shoot nearer, or he'll never hit the clout. And if my hand be out, then be like your hand is in. Then will she get the upshoot by cleaving the pin? Come, come, you talk greasily. Your lips grow foul. She's too hard for your for you at pricks, sir. Challenge her to bowl. I fear too much rubbing. Good night, my good owl. Exit Boyer and Mariah. By my soul, a swain, a most simple clown. Lord, Lord, how the ladies and I have put him down. Oh, my troth, most sweet jest, most unconny vulgar wit. When it comes so smoothly off, so obscenely, as it were, so fit. Our motto, oh, the one side. Oh, a most dainty man. To see him walk before a lady and to bear her fan. To see him kiss his hand and how most sweetly will swear. And his page on the other side that had a handful of wit. Ah, heavens, it is a most pathetical knit. Sola, sola. Shouts within, exit Custard running. Act two, the same, under Holofernes, Sir Nathaniel, and Very reverend sport, truly, and done in the testimony of a good conscience. The idea was, as you know, sanguis uh, in blood, ripe as the palm water, which now hangeth like a jewel in the ear of Kylo, the sky, the welkin, the heaven, and anon falleth like a crab on the face of Terra, the soil, the land, uh, the earth. Truly, Master Holofernes, the epithets are sweetly varied like a scholar at the least. But, sir, I assure ye, it was a buck of the first head. Uh, Sir Nathaniel, uh, hoed credo. Uh, Twas not a hoed credo, twas a pricket. Most barbarous intimation, yet a kind of insinuation, as it were, in via, in way of explication for as it were, replication, or rather ostentere, to show, as it were, his inclination after his undressed, unpolished, uneducated, unpruned, untrained, or rather unlettered, or ratherest, unconfirmed fashion, to insert again my hode credo for a deer. I said the deer was not a hode credo, twas a pricket. Twice sod simplicity his cactus. Oh, thou master ignorance, how deformed dost thou look. Sir, he hath never fed of the dainties that are bred in a book. He hath not eat paper, as it were. He hath not drunk ink. His intellect is not replenished. He is only an animal only sensible in the duller parts, and such 
barren plants are set before us that we thankful should be. Which we of taste and feeling are for those parts that do fructify in us more than he. For as it would ill become me to be vain, indiscreet, or a fool, so were there a patch set on learning to see him in a school. But omne bene, say I, being of an old father's mind, many can brook the weather that love not the wind. You two are bookmen. Uh, can you tell me by your wit what was a month old at Cain's birth? That's not five weeks old as yet. Uh, Dictina, Goodman Dahl. Dictina, Goodman Dahl. What is Dictina? A title to Phoebe, to Luna, to the moon. The moon was a month old when Adam was no more and wrought not to five weeks when he came to five score. The illusion uh, holds in the exchange. It is true, indeed. The collusion holds in the exchange. God comfort thy capacity. I say the allusion holds in the exchange. And I say the pollution holds in the exchange for the moon is never but a month old. And I say beside that twas a cricket that the princess killed. Sir Nathaniel, will you hear an extemporal epitaph on the death of the deer? And to humor the ignorant, I call the deer the princess killed a cricket. Perge, good master Holophones, perge, so it shall please you to abrogate scurrility. I will something affect the letter, for it argues facility. <coughs> the prayful princess pierced and pricked a pretty pleasing pricket. Some say a sore, but not a sore, till now made sore with shooting. The dog did yell, put L to sore, then Sorel jumps from thicket, or pricket sore, or else Sorel, the people fall a hooting. If sore be sore, then L to sore makes 50 sores, one sorrel. Of one sore, I an hundred make by adding but one more L. A rare talent. And if talent be a claw, look how he claws him with the talent. This is a gift that I have. Simple. Simple. A foolish, extravagant spirit full of forms, figures, shapes, objects, ideas, apprehensions, motions, revolutions. These are begot in the ventricle of memory, nourished in the womb of Piamater, and delivered upon the mellowing of occasion. But the gift is good in those in whom it is acute, and I am thankful for it. Sir, I praise the Lord for you, and so may my parishioners for their sons are well tutored by you and their daughters profit very greatly under you. You are a good member of the Commonwealth. My Herkal, if their sons be ingenuous, they shall want no instruction. If their daughters be capable, I will put it to them. But vir sapit qui loquitor, a soul feminine saluteth us. God give you good morrow, Master Parson. Master Parson, quasi person, and if one should be pierced, which is the one? Mary, Master Schoolmaster, he that is likest to a hogshead. Piercing a hogshead? <laughs> a good luster of conceit and a tuft of earth, fire enough for a flint, pearl enough for a swine, which is pretty, it is well. Good Master Person, be so good as to read me this letter. It was given me by Costard. And uh, sent me from Don Armado. I beseech you read it. Uh, Fauste, uh, Precor Galita Quando, Pecos Omne Sub Umbra Ruminat, and so forth. Uh, good old man doing. 
I, I may speak of thee as the traveler, doth of Venice, Venetia, Venetia, he non ti vede, non ti pretia. Old Mantuan, Mantuan, who understandeth thee not, loves thee not. <clears throat> At re sol la mi fa. Uh, under pardon, sir, what are the contents, or rather, as Horace says in his, what, my soul, uh, uh, verses? I, sir, am very learned. Let me hear a, a staff, a, a stanza, a verse, a legge, domine. <clears throat> uh, if love make me forsworn, how shall I swear to love? Ah, never faith could hold if not to beauty vowed. Though to myself forsworn, to thee I'll faithful prove. Those thoughts to me were oaks, to thee like osiers bowed. Hmm. Study his bias leaves and make his book thine eyes. Where all those pleasures live that art would comprehend. If knowledge be the mark, to know thee shall suffice. Well learned is that tongue that well can thee commend. <laughs> All ignorance, that soul that sees thee without wonder, which is to me some praise that I thy parts admire. <sighs> ah, thy eye, Jove's lightning bears, thy voice his dreadful thunder, which not to anger bent is music and sweet fire. Celestial as thou art, O oh, pardon, love, this wrong that sings heaven's praise with such an earthly tongue. Mm. Uh, you find uh, not the apostrophes, and so miss the accent. Uh, let me supervise the canzonet. Uh, here are only numbers ratified, but for the elegancy, facility, and golden cadence of poesy, parrot. Ovidius Nasso was the man, and why indeed Nasso, but for smelling out the odoriferous flowers of fancy, the jerks of invention. Imitari is nothing. So doth the hound his master, the ape his keeper, and the tired horse his rider. But, Demoiselle Virgin, was this directed to you? Ah, oh, aye, sir. From one Mr. Brown, one of the strange queen's lords. Uh, I will overglance the superscript <clears throat> to the snow-white hand of the most beauteous lazy lady Ro Rosaline. I will look again on the intellect of the letter for the nomination of the party's writing to the person written unto your ladyships in all desired employment, Biron. Now, Sir Nathaniel, this Biron is one of the votaries with the king, and here he hath framed a letter sequent to this of the stranger's queens, which accidentally, or by way of progression, hath miscarried. Trip and go, my sweet, deliver this paper unto the royal hand of the king, it may concern much. Stay not thy compliment, I forgive thy duty, adieu. Good Gostard, go with me. Sir, have with, go have with thee, my girl. Exunt Custard and Jaconetta. Sir, you have done this in the fear of God, very religiously, and as a certain father saith. Sir, tell me not of the father. I do fear colorable colors. But to return to the verses, did they please you, Sir Nathaniel? Marvelous. Well, for the pen. Uh, I do dine today at the father's of a certain pupil of mine, where if before repast it shall please you to gratify the table with a grace, I will, on my privilege I have with the parents of the foresaid child or pupil, undertake your benvenuto. 
where I will prove those verses to be very unlearned, neither savoring of poetry, wit, nor invention, I beseech your society. And thank you too, for society, saith the text, is the happiness of life. And Kertes, the text most infallibly concludes it. Sir, I do invite you too. You shall not say me nay, Palka, Wereba. Away, the gentles are at their game, and we will to our recreation. Exit. Scene three, the same, enter Barone with a paper. Okay, we got uh Oh, the king, he is hunting the deer. I am coursing myself. They have pitched a toil. I am toiling in a pitch. A pitch that defiles. Defile. A foul word. Well, we will see. Down. Sorrow, for so they say the fool said, and so say I, and the fool, I the fool. Well, well proved wit. Oh, by the Lord, this love is mad. It kills sheep. It kills me. I a sheep. <laughs> well proved again on my side. Ah! I will not love. If I do, hang me. In faith, I will not. Oh, but her eye, <laughs> by this light, <sighs> but for her eye, I would not love her. <laughs> yeah, for her two eyes. <sighs> well, I do nothing in the world but lie and lie in my throat. By heaven, I do love. And it hath taught me to rhyme and to be melancholy. And here is part of my rhyme. And here, my melancholy. Oh. Well, she hath one of my sonnets already. The clown bore it. The fool sent it. And the lady hath it. Sweet clown. Sweeter fool. Sweetest lady. Oh. By the world, I would not care a pin if the other three were in. Oh. Here comes one with a paper. God give him, give him grace to groan. I me. Shot by heaven. Proceed, sweet Cupid. Thou hast thumped him with thy bird bolt under the left pop. Ha! In faith, secrets. So, so sweet a kiss the golden sun gives not to those fresh morning drops upon the rose as thy eye beams when their fresh rays have smote the night of dew that on my cheeks down flows. Nor shines the silver moon one half so bright through the transparent bosom of the deep as doth thy face through tears of mine give light. Thou shinest in every tear that I do weep. <clears throat> no drop, but as a coach doth carry thee, so ridest thou triumphing in my woe. Do but behold the tears that swell in me. 
and they thy glory through my grief will show. But do not love thyself, then thou wilt keep my tears for glasses and still make me weep. Oh, queen of queens, how far dost thou excel? No thought can think, nor tongue of mortal tell. Oh, how shall she know my griefs? I'll drop the paper, sweet leaves shade folly. But who is he comes here? Steps aside. What? Longaville and reading. Listen here. Now in thy likeness, one more fool appear. Enter Longville with a paper. I me, I am forsworn. Why, he comes in like a perjure, wearing papers. In love, I hope. Sweet fellowship in shame. One drunkard loves another of the name. <laughs> am I the first that have been perjured so? I could put thee in comfort. Not by two that I know. Thou makest the triumvirate, the corner cap of society, the shape of love's tyburn that hangs up simplicity. Oh, I fear these stubborn lines lack power to move. Oh, sweet Maria. Empress of my love, these numbers will I... And writing prose. Oh, rhymes are guards on wanton Cupid's hose. Disfigure not his slop. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, this same shall go. Oh, God. Um, did not the heavenly rhetoric of thine eye, gainst whom the world cannot hold argument, persuade my heart this false perjury? Vows for thee broke, deserve not punishment. A woman, I forswore, but I will prove thou, being a goddess, I forswore, not thee. My vow is earthly, thou, a heavenly love. Thy grace being gained cures all disgrace in me. Vows are, are but breath and breath of vapor in is. Then thou, fair son, which on mine earth doth shine, Exhalest this vapor vow, in thee it is. If broken, then it is no fault of mine. If by me broke, what fool is not so wise to lose an oath to win a paradise? <laughs> this is the liver vein, which makes flesh a deity, a green goose, a goddess, pure, a pure idolatry. God amend us, God amend. We are much out of the way. By whom shall I send this? Company, stay. Steps aside. All hid, all hid, an old infant play. Like a demigod, here sit I in the sky, and wretched fool's secrets heedfully awry. <laughs> More sex to the mill. Oh, heavens, I have my wish. Enter Domain with a paper. Domain transform. Four woodcocks in a dish. Oh, most divine, Kate. Oh, most profane, coxcomb. <laughs> By heaven, the wonder in a mortal eye. 
by Earth. She is not corporal. There you lie. Her amber hair half raven as well. Oh. Her amber hair for foul hath amber quoted. An amber-colored raven was well noted. As upright as a cedar. <laughs> Stoop, I say. Her shoulder is with child. <laughs> as fair as day. Ah, yes, some days. But then no sun must shine. Hmm. Oh, that I had my wish. And I had mine. But I mine too, good lord. Amen, so I had mine. Is that not a good word? I would forget her, but a fever she reigns in my blood and will be remembered be. A fever in your blood? Why then, incision would let her out in saucers, sweet Miss Prison. Once more, I'll read the ode that I have writ. Once more, I'll mark how love can vary wit. On a day... Alack the day, love, whose month is ever May, spied a blossom passing fair, playing in the wanton air. Through the velvet leaves the wind, all unseen can passage find, that the lover, sick to death, wash himself the heaven's breath. Air, quoth he, thy cheeks may blow, Ere would I might triumph so, but alack, my hand is sworn ne'er to pluck thee from thy thorn. Thou, alack, for youth unmet, youth so apt to pluck a sweet, do not call it sin in me that I am forsworn for thee, thou for whom Jove would swear, Juno but an Ethiopian were, and deny himself for Jove turning mortal for thy love. This I will send, and um, something more plain that shall express my love, true love's fasting pain. Oh, would the King Byron and Longaville were lovers too. Ill, to example ill, would from my forehead wipe a perjured note, for none offend when alike do dote. Jermaine, my love is far from charity. Oh, you may look pale, but I should blush, I know, to be overheard and taken napping, so. Mm, come, sir, you blush. As his, your case is such. You chided him, offending twice as much. You do not love Mariah Longaville, did never sonnet for her sake compile, nor never lay his wreathed arms athwart his loving bosom to keep down his heart. I have been closely shrouded in this bush and marked you both and for you both did blush. I heard your guilty rhymes, observed your fashion, saw sighs reek from you, noted well your passion. I me, says one, oh Jove, the other cries. One, her hairs were gold, crystal, the other's eyes. You would for paradise break faith and trust. And Jove, for your love, would infringe an oath. <laughs> what will Baron say when that he shall hear faith so infringed, which such zeal did swear? 
How will he scorn? How will he spend his wit? How will he triumph, leaf, and laugh at it? For all the wealth that ever I did see, I would not have him know so much by me. <laughs> now step I forth to whip hypocrisy. Ah, <laughs> oh, good my liege, I pray thee, pardon me. Good heart, what grace hast thou thus to reprove these worms for loving that are most in love? Your eyes do make no coaches. In your tears, there is no certain princess that appears. You'll not be perjured. Tis a hateful thing. Tush none but minstrels like of sonneting. But are you not ashamed? <clears throat> Nay, are you not? All three of you to be thus much o'ershot. You found his moat, the king. Your moat did see, but I a beam do find in each of three. Oh, 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 what a scene of foolery have I seen. The sighs of groans of sorrow. And of teen. Oh, me. What wit? With what strict patience have I sat? To see a king transformed to a gnat? <laughs> to see great Hercules whipping a gig and profound Solomon to tune a jig and Nestor play at pushpin with the boys and critic Timon laugh at idle toys. Where lies thy grief? Hmm? Oh, tell me, good Dumaine and gentle Longavel, where lies thy pain? And where my lieges all about the breast a coddle ho too bitter is thy jest are we betrayed thus to thy overview not you to me but i betrayed by you i and am honest I that hold it sin to break the vow I am engaged in. I am betrayed by keeping company with men like men of inconstancy. Hm. When shall you see me write a thing in rhyme? Hm? Or groan for love? Or spend a minute's time in pruding me? Huh. When shall you hear that? I will praise a hand, a foot, a face, an eye, a gate, a state, a brow, a breast, a waist, a leg, a limb. Hmm? Soft, whither away so fast, a true man or a thief that gallops so. I post from love, good lover, let me go. Enter Jaconetta and Custard. God bless the king. Hmm. What uh, presence hast thou there? Some certain treason. What, what makes treason here? Oh, nay, it makes nothing, sir. If it mar nothing neither, the treason and you go in peace away together. Beseech your grace, let this letter be read. A person misdoubts it, twas treason he said. Hmm. Barone, read it over. All right. Where hadst thou it? Of Costard. Where hadst thou it? 
of Don Adramadio. Don Adramadio? How uh. <laughs> now? What is in you? Why dost thou tear it? <laughs> a toy, my liege. A, a toy. Your grace needs not be written. <laughs> It did move him to passion, and therefore, let's hear it. It is Byron's writing, and here is his name. Uh, you are some loggerhead. You were born to do reach shame. Guilty, my lord. Guilty. I confess. I confess. That you three fools lacked me fool to make up the mess. He, he, and you, and you, my liege, and I are pick purses in love, and we deserve to die. Oh, dismiss this audience, and I shall tell you more. Now the number is even. True, true, we are four. Well, and sirs, away. Oh, no, go on. Walk aside the true folk and let the traitors stay. <sighs> Exint Custard and Jaconetta. Sweet lords, sweet lovers, oh, let us embrace. As true we are as flesh and blood can be. The sea will ebb and flow, heaven will show his face. Young blood doth not obey an old decree. We cannot cross the cause why we were born. Therefore, of all hands, must we be forsworn. What? Did these rent lines show some love of thine? Did they, quoth you? Who sees the heavenly Rosaline? That like a rude and savage man of the Indy, at the first opening of the gorgeous east, bows not his vassal head and struck and blind, kisses the base ground with obedient breast. What permitory eagle-sighted eye dares look upon the heaven of her brow that is not blinded by her majesty? What zeal! What fury hath inspired thee now? My love, her mistress, is a gracious moon. She, an attending star, scarce seen a light. My eyes are then no eyes, nor I barone. Oh, but for my love, day would turn to night. Of all complexions, the called sovereignty to meet as at a fair in her fair cheek. Where several worthies make one dignity, where nothing wants that want itself to seek. Lend me the flourish of all the gentle tongues. Thy painted rhetoric! Oh, oh, she needs it not. To things of sale, a seller's praise belongs. She passes praise, then praise too short up lot. A withered hermit, five score winters worn, might shake up fifty, looking. In her eye, beauty doth not varnish age as if newborn and gives the crutch, the cradle's infancy. Oh, tis the sun that maketh all things shine. By heaven, thy love is black as ebony. Is ebony like her? Oh, what divine! 
A wife of such word were felicity. Oh, who can give an oath? Where is a book that I might swear beauty doth beauty lack, if that she learn not of her eye to look? No face is fair that is not so full, so black. Oh, paradox. Black is the badge of hell, the hue of dungeons and the suit of night, and beauty's crest becomes the heaven's well. Devils soon as tempt resembling spirits of light. Oh, if in black my lady's brows be decked, it mourns that painting and usurping hair should ravish doters with a false aspect. And therefore, is she born to make black fair? Her favor turns the fashion of the days, for native blood is counted painting now, and therefore red that would avoid dispraise paints itself black to imitate her brow. Look like her, our chimney sweeper's black. And since her time, our colliers counted bright. And Ethiopes of their sweet complexion craft. Dark needs no candles now, for dark is light. Your mistresses dare never come in rain, for fear their colors should be washed away. Twere good yours did. For, sir, to tell you plain, I'll find a fairer face not washed today. I'll prove her fair or talk till doomsday here. No devil will fright thee then so much as she. I never knew man hold vile stuff so dear. Look, here's thy love, my foot and her face, see. Oh, if the streets were paved with thine eyes, her feet were much too dainty for such tread. Oh, vile, then as she goes, what upward lies the street should see as she walked o'erhead. But, but, what, what of this? Are we not all in love? <sighs> Nothing so sure, and thereby all forsworn. Then leave this chat, and good Barone, now prove our loving lawful, and our faith, not torn. I marry there, some flattery for this evil. Though some authority how to proceed, some tricks, some quillettes, how to cheat the devil. Some salve for perjury. Tis more than need. Haven't you then, affections men at arms, consider what you first did swear unto, to fast to study, and to see no woman. Flat treason against the kingly state of youth. Say, can you fast? Your stomachs are too young, and abstinence engenders maladies. And where that you have vowed to study, lords, in that each of you have forsworn his book? Can you still de dream and pour and thereon look? For when would you, my lord, or you, or you, have found the ground of study's excellence without the beauty of a woman's face. From women's eyes, this doctrine I derive. They are the ground, the books, the academes from whence doth spring the true Promethean fire. Why, universal plotting poisons up the nimble spirits in the arteries as motion and long-during action tires the sinewy figure of the traveler. Now, 
for not looking on a woman's face? You have in that forsworn the use of eyes and study too, the causer of your vow. For where is any author in the world teaches such beauty as a woman's eye? Oh. Learning is but an adjunct to ourself. Where we are, our learning likewise is. Then when ourselves we see in ladies' eyes, do we not like, likewise see our learning there? Oh, we have made a vow to study, lords. And in the vow we have forsworn our books. For when would you, my liege, or you, or you, in leaden contemplation have found out such fiery numbers as in the prompting eyes of beauty's tutors have enriched with you with. Other slow arts entirely keep the brain, and therefore finding barren practicers scarce show a harvest of their heavy toil, but love first learned in a lady's eyes lives not alone immured in the brain, but in the motion of all elements, courses as swift as thought in every power and gives to every power a double power above their functions and their offices. It adds a precious seeing to the eye. A lover's eyes will gaze an eagle blind. A lover's ear will hear the lowest sound when the suspicious heard theft is stopped. Love's feeling is more soft and sensible than are the tender horns of cockled snails. Love's tongue proves dainty. Bacchus gross in taste for valor. Is not love a Hercules? Still climbing trees in the Hersperides, subtle as a sphinx, as sweet and musical as bright Apollo's lute, strong with his hair. And when love speaks, the voice of all the gods makes heaven drowsy with the harmony. Never durst poet touch a pen to write until his ink were tempered with love's sighs. Oh! Then his lines would ravish savage ears and plant in tyrants mild humility. From women's eyes, this doctrine I deride. They sparkle still the right Promethean fire. They are the books, the arts, the academes that show, contain, and nourish all the world. Else none at all in aught proves excellent. Then, fools, you were these women to forswear, or keeping that what is sworn will prove fools. For wisdom's sake, a word that all men love, or for love's sake, a word that loves all men, or for men's sake, the authors of these women, or women's sake, by whom we men are men, let us once lose our oaths to find ourselves or else we lose ourselves to keep our oaths. It is religion to be thus forsworn, for charity itself fulfills the law. And who can sever love from charity? 
Saint Cupid, then. And soldiers, to the field. Advance your standards and upon them, lords. Pell-mell, down with them. <laughs> but be first advised in conflict that you get the son of them. <laughs> now, the plain dealing. Lay these glosses by. <clears throat> Shall we resolve to woo these girls of friends? And win them, too. Oh. Therefore, let us devise some entertainment for them in, in their tents. Uh, first, from the park, let us conduct them thither. Then homeward, every man attach the hand of his, first mistress, his fair mistress. In the afternoon, we will, with some strange pastime, solace them, such as the shortness of the time can shape, for revels, dances, masks, and merry hours forerun fair love, strewing her way with flowers. Away. Away. No time shall be omitted that will be time, and may by us. Alons, alons, sowed cockle reaps no corn, and justice always whirls in equal measure. Light wenches may prove plagues to men forsworn. If so, our copper buys no better treasure. <laughs> Exempt. Act 5, scene 1, the same. Enter Holofernes, Sir Nathaniel, and Dull. Set his court sufficient. I praise God for you, sir. Uh, your reasons at dinner have been very sharp and sententious. Pleasant without security, witty without affection, audacious without impudency, learned without opinion, and strange without heresy. I did converse this quantum day with a companion of the king's who is intitulated, commentated, or called Don Adriado de Armado. No, me, ominem, tanquam, hey! His humor is lofty, his discourse peremptory, his tongue filed, his eye ambitious, his gait majestical, and his general behavior vain, ridiculous, and thrasonical. He is too picked, too spruce, too affected, too odd, as it were, too peregrinate, as I may call it. A most singular and choice epithet. Draws in his table book. He draws out the thread of his verbosity finer than the staple of his argument. I abhor such fanatical fantasies, such, such insociable and point-devised companions, such rackers of orthography as to speak doubt. Fine, when he should say doubt, debt. When he should pronounce debt, D-E-B-T, not D-E-T. He clappeth a calf, cough, half, hoff, neighbor, vocator, never, nay, abbreviated, nay. This is abominable, which he would call abominable. It insinuateth me of infamy. And intelligence dominate to make frantic lunatic. Last Dale Bene Intelego. Bon bon fortun Prussian. A little scratched. Twill serve. Did I say qui veni? Video et gaudeo. Enter Don Adriano de Armado, Moth, and Castard. Chira. Quare chira, not sira. 
Men of peace, well encountered. Most military, sir, salutation. They have been at a great feast of languages and stolen the scraps. <laughs> oh, they have lived long on the alms baskets of words. I marvel thy master hath not eaten thee for a word. For thou art not so long by the head as honoreth the to the Duna, the Habadus. Thou art easier swallowed than a flap dragon. Peace. The peel begins. Uh, monsieur, are you not lettered? Yes, yes. He teaches boys the horn book. What is A, B spelt backward with the horn on his head? Ba. Puritia, with a horn added. Ba, most silly sheep with a horn. You hear his learning. Squeeze, squeeze, the consonant. The third of the five vowels, if you repeat them, or the fifth, if I. I will repeat them. A, E, I. The sheep, the other two concludes it. O, U. Now by the salt wave of the Mediterranean, a sweet touch, a quick venue of wit, snip, snap, quick and hum, it rejoices in my intellect. True wit. Offered by a child to an old man, which is wit old. What is the figure? What is the figure? Horns. Thou disputest like an infant. Go, whip thy gig. <laughs> Lend me your horn to make one, and I'll whip about your infamy circumcircumcirca, a gig of a cuckold's horn. And I am but one penny in the world. Thou should have it to buy gingerbread. Oh. Hold, 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 hold. There is the very remuneration I had of thy master. Thou half penny purse of wit, thou pigeon egg of discretion. Oh, in the heavens. We're so pleased that thou wert by my bastard. What a joyful father wouldst thou make me. Go to, go to. Thou hadst it add dunghill at the finger's ends, as they say. Oh, I smell false Latin. Dunghill for unjuem. Art men, uh, preambulate. We will be singled from the Barbarous, <laughs> do you not educate youth at the church house on the uh, top of the mountain? Or Mons, the hill? At your sweet pleasure uh, for the mountain. I do, sounds question. Sir, it is the king's most sweet pleasure and affection uh, to congratulate the princess at her uh, pavilion in the posteriors of this day, <laughs> which the rude multitude call the afternoon. The posterior of the day, most generous, sir, is libel, congruent and measurable for the afternoon. The word is well culled, chose, sweet and apt. I do assure you, sir, I do assure. Sir, the, the king is a noble gentleman, and my familiar adversary, very good friend. <laughs> and for what is inward between us, <laughs> let us pass. I do beseech thee. Remember thy courtesy, I beseech thee, apparel thy head, and among other important and most serious business, and of great importance do, but let that pass, for I must tell thee, it will please his grace by the world some time to lean upon my poor shoulder, and with his royal finger thus, 
Dolly with my excrement. Oh, with my mustache. Press me hard. Let that pass. By the world, I recount no fable. Some certain special honors that pleaseth his greatness to impart to Armado, a soldier, a man of travel, that I see in the world. Oh, but let that pass. They're very all of all this. Ah, sweetheart, I do implore secrecy <laughs> that the king would have me present the princess, mm -hmm. sweet shock, uh, with some delightful um, uh, ostentation um, or uh, show or uh, pageant or antique or firework. Now, understanding the current and your sweet self are good at such eruptions and sudden um, <laughs> breaking out of mirth, as it were. I have acquainted you with all to the end to crave your assistance. Sir, you shall present before her the nine worthies. Sir, as concerning some entertainment of time, some show in the posterior of this day, to be rendered by our assistance at the king's command and this most gallant, illustrate, and learned gentleman. Before the princess, I say none so fit as to present the nine worthies. Where will you find men worthy enough to present them? Joshua, yourself, myself, and this gallant gentleman, Judas Maccabeus, this swain, because of his great limb or joint, shall pass Pompey the Great, the page Hercules. Pardon, sir, uh, uh, he is not uh, quantity enough for that word, he's dumb. He has no so big as the end of his club. Shall I have audience? He shall present Hercules in minority. His enter and exit shall be strangling a snake, and I will have an apology for that purpose. An excellent device. So if any of the audience hiss, you may cry, well done, Hercules, now thou crushest the snake. That is the way to make an off offense gracious, though few have had the grace to do it. And for the rest of, of the worthies. I will play three myself. Thrice worthy gentlemen. Shall I tell you a thing? <laughs> we attend. We will have. If this fudge not an antique, I beseech you, fellow. Via, Goodman Dull, thou hast spoken no word, word all this while. Nor understand none neither, sir. Hello, we will apply thee. Uh, I'll make one in a dance or so, or I will play on the tavern to the worthies and let them dance the hay. Most dull, honest dull. To our sport. Away! Exit. Scene two, the same. Enter Princess Catherine, Rosaline, and Mariah. <clears throat> oh, sweethearts. We shall, air, uh, we shall be rich ere we depart. If fairings come thus plentifully in, a lady will devout with diamonds. Look you what I have from the loving king. Oh, Adam, uh, came nothing else along with that? Mm, nothing but this. Uh, yes, as much love in rhyme as would be crammed up in a sheet of paper, writ of both sides of the leaf, margent and all, that he was fain to seal on Cupid's name. <sighs> That he was, that was this way to make his godhead wax, for he hath been five thousand years a boy. Ay, and a shrewd, unhappy gallows, too. Oh, you'll never be friends with him. I killed your sister. 
he made her melancholy, sad and heavy, and so she died. Had she been light like you, of such a merry, nimble, stirring spirit, she might have been a, a grandam ere she died, and so may you, for a light heart lives long. What's your dark meaning, Mouse, of this light word? A light condition in a beauty dark. <laughs> we need more light to find your meaning out. You'll mar the light by taking it in snuff. Therefore, I'll darkly end the argument. Oh, look what you do. You still do it in the dark. So do, so do not you, for you are a light wench. Indeed, I weigh not you, and therefore light. You weigh me not? Oh, that's you care, not for me. Oh, great reason, for past cure is still past care. Well bandied both. A set of wit well played, but Rosaline, what, you have a favor too. Who sent it? And what is it? I would you knew. And if my face were but as fair as yours, my favor were as great. Be witness this, Nate. I have verses too. I thank Barone. The, the number's true, and were the numbering too, I were the fairest goddess on the ground. I am compared to 20,000 fairs, and, oh, he hath uh, drawn my picture in his letter. Anything like? Ah, uh, yeah. Much in the letters, nothing in the, play, nothing in the praise. Hmm. Beauteous as ink. <laughs> a good conclusion. Fair as a text be in a copybook. Where, pencils, ho? Let me not die your debtor. My red dominicil, my golden letter, oh, that your face were not so full of O's. A pox of that jest, and I beshrew all shrows. But, Catherine, what was sent to you from fair domain? Madam, this glove. Uh, did he not send you twain? Yes, madam, and moreover, some thousand verses of a faithful lover, a huge translation of hypocrisy, vilely compiled, profound simplicity. Uh, this and these pearls to me sent Longueville. The letter is too long by half a mile. <clears throat> I think no less. Uh, dost thou not wish in heart the chain were longer and the letter short? <laughs> I, or I would these hands might never part. Uh, we are wise girls to mock our lovers, so. They are worse fools to purchase mocking so. That same Byron I'll torture ere I go. Oh, that I knew he were but in by the week. How I would make him fawn and beg and seek and wait the season and observe the times and spend his prodigal wits and bootless rhymes and shape his service solely to my hests and make him proud to make me proud that jests. So pertwint-like would I or sway his state that he should be my fool and I his fate. <laughs> None are so surely caught when they are catched as wit turned fool. Folly in wisdom hatched hath wisdom's warrant and the help of school, and wit's own grace to grace a learned fool. The blood of youth burns not with such excess as gravity's revolt to wantonness. 
Folly in fools bears not so strong a note as foolery in the wise, when wit doth dote. Since all the power thereof it doth apply to prove by wit worth and simplicity. Oh, uh, here comes Foyer and mirth in his face. Your Foyer. Oh, I am stabbed with laughter. Where's her grace? Thy news, Foyer. Prepare, madam, prepare. Arm, wenches, arm. Encounters mounted are against your peace. Love doth approach disguised, armed in arguments. You'll be surprised. Muster your wits. Stand in your own defense or hide your heads like cowards and fly hence. St. Uh, Dennis to St. Cupid. What are they that charge their breath against us? Uh, say, Scout, say. Under the cool shade of a sycamore, I thought to close mine eyes some half an hour, when, lo, to interrupt my purposed rest, toward that shade I might behold addressed the king and his companions. Warily, I stole into a neighbor's thicket by, and overheard what you shall overhear, that by and by, disguised, they will be here. Their herald is a pretty knavish page that well by heart hath conned his embassage. Action and accent did they teach him there. Thus must thou speak, and thus thy body bear. And ever and anon they made a doubt presence majestical would put him out. For, quoth the king, an angel shalt thou see. Yet fear not thou, but speak audaciously. The boy replied, an angel is not evil. I should have feared her had she been a devil. With that all laughed and clapped him on the shoulder, making bold the wag by their praises bolder. Making the bold wag by their praises bolder. One rubbed his elbow thus and fleered and swore a better speech was never spoke before. Another, with his finger and his thumb, cried, Via, we will do it, come what will come. The third, he capered and cried, All goes well. The fourth, turned on the toe, and down he fell. With that, they all did tumble on the ground, with such a zealous laughter, so profound, that in the spleen ridiculous appears, to check their folly, Passion's solemn's tears. <laughs> but, but what, but what? Uh, come they to visit us? They do, they do, and are apparelled thus, like Muscovites, or Russians, <laughs> as I guess. Their purpose is to parl, to court, and dance, and every one of his love feet will advance unto his several mistress, which they'll know uh, by favor several which they did bestow. Oh, and they will so. Uh, the gallant shall be tasked for, ladies, we shall every one be masked. Uh, and not a man of them shall have the grace, despite of suit, to see a lady's face. Um, hold, <clears throat> Rosaline, this favor thou shalt wear. And then the king will court thee for his dear. Uh, hold, take thou this, my sweet, and give me thine. So shall Barone take me for Rosaline. And change your favors too. So shall your loves woo contrary deceived by these removes. Come on then. 
Where the favor's most in sight. Um, what but is changing? What is your intent? The effect of my intent is to cross theirs. <clears throat> they do it but in mocking merriment, and mock for mock is only my intent. There are several counsels they unbosom shall to loves mistook, and so be mocked withal upon the next occasion that we meet with visages displayed to talk and greet. But shall we dance if they desire to it? <laughs> no. <laughs> to the death we will not move a foot, nor to their pen speech render we no grace. But while tis spoke, each turn away her face. Why, that contempt will kill the speaker's heart and quite divorce his memory from his part. <laughs> Therefore I do it. <laughs> and I make no doubt the rest will ne'er come in. If he be out, there's no such sport as sport, by sport or throne. To make theirs ours and ours none but our own, so shall we stay, mocking intended game, and they will mock to depart away with shame. Bum, ba, da, bum. The trumpet sounds. Be masked. The maskers come. The ladies mask. Enter music- musicians. Moth, Ferdinand, Barone, Longville, and Dumaine in Russian habits and masks. All hail the richest beauties on the earth. Beauties no richer than rich taffeta. A holy parcel of the fairest dames. Uh, that ever turn their back. Turn their backs to mortal views their eyes villain their eyes that ever turn their eyes to mortal views out better true out indeed out of your favors heavenly spirits vouchsafe not to behold once to behold you rogue once to behold with your sunbeamed eyes with your sunbeamed Eyes. They will not answer to that epithet. You were best to call it daughter-beamed eyes. They do not mark me, and that brings me out. Is this your perfectness? Be gone, you rogue! What would these strangers? Not their minds, but yet, if they do speak our language, tis our will that some plain man recount their purposes. Know what they would. What would you with the princess? Nothing but peace and gentle visitation. Oh, what would they say, say they? Nothing but peace and gentle visitation. Why? That they have, and bid them so be gone. She says you have it, and you may be gone. Hmm. Say to her, we have measured many miles to tread a measure with her on this grass. They say that they have measured many a mile to tread a measure with you on this grass. It is not so. Ask them how many inches is in one mile. And if they have measured many, the measure then of one is easily told. If to come hither you have measured miles and many miles, the princess bids you tell how many inches doth fill up one mile. Uh, tell her we measure them by weary steps. She hears herself. How many weary steps? 
of many weary miles have you or gone? Are numbered in the travel of one mile. We number nothing that we spend for you. Our duty is so rich, so infinite, that we may do it still without account. Vouchsafe to show this sunshine of your face that we, like savages, may worship it. My face is but a moon, and clouded too. Blessed are clouds, to do as such clouds do. Yes. safe, bright moon, that these thy stars to shine. These clouds removed upon our watery eye. Oh, fame petitioner, make a greater matter now thou requestest but moonshine in the water. Then, in our measure, do but vouchsafe one change. Thou, thou bidst me beg. This begging is not strange. Play music then. Nay, you must do it soon. Music plays. Oh, not yet, no dance. Must change I like the moon. Uh, will, will you not dance? Uh, how come you thus estranged? You took the moon at full, but now she's changed. Yet she is still the moon. <clears throat> and, and I, the man, uh, the music plays, vouchsafe some motion to it. Our ears vouchsafe it. But your leg should do it. <laughs> Since you are strangers and come here by chance, will not be nice. Take hands, you will not dance. Well, why take we hands then? Only to part friends. Curtsy, sweethearts, and so the measure ends. <clears throat> More measure of, of this measure. Be not nice. We cannot afford no more at such a price. Prize yourselves. Uh, what buys your company? Mm. Your absence only. Oh, that can never be. Then cannot we be bought. And so would you. Twice to your visor and half once to you. If you deny to dance, <clears throat> Let's hold more chat. In private, then. I am best pleased with that. They converse apart. White-handed mistress, one sweet word with thee. Uh, honey and milk and sugar. There is three. And they then, two trays, and if you grow so nice, methaglin, wort, and momsy. Well, run dice. Ah, eh, there's half a dozen sweets, eh? Seventh sweet. Adieu, since you can cog, I'll play no more with you. The one word in secret. Let it not be sweet. Thou grievest my goal. Goal? Bitter. Therefore, meet. There's a part. Will you uh, vouch it uh, with me to uh, change, change uh, a, a word. Name it. Fair, fair lady. Say you so, fair lord. Take that for your fair lady. Please it you as much in 
private and I'll bid adieu. <laughs> what was your wizard made without a tongue? I know the reason, lady, why you ask. Oh, for your reason. Quickly, sir, I long. You have a, a double tongue within your mask and would afford my speech with wizard half. Veal, quoth the Dutchman, is not veal a calf? Calf, fair lady. No, a fair lord, calf. Uh, with part the world. No, I'll not be your half. Take all and wean it. It may prove an ox. Look how you butt yourself <laughs> in these. Then die a calf before your horns do grow. One word in private with you ere I die. Bleat softly then, the butcher hears you cry. They converse apart. The tongues of mocking wenches are as keen as is the razor's edge invisible, cutting a smaller hair than may be seen above the sense of sense. So sensible seemeth their conference. Their conceits have wings fleeter than arrows, bullets, wind, thought, swifter things. Not one word more, my maids. Break off, break off. By heaven, all dry beaten with pure scoff. <laughs> Farewell, mad wenches. You have simple wits. Yeah. Twenty adieus, my frozen Muscovites. Twenty. And lords and musicians. <laughs> are these the breeds of wits so wondered at? Tapers they are, with your sweet breaths puffed out. Well, liking wits they have. Ooh, gross, gross, fat, fat. <clears throat> oh, poverty and wits, kingly poor flout. Will they not think you hang themselves tonight? <laughs> Or ever, but in buzzards show their face. <laughs> this uh, pert Biron was out of continence quite. They were all in lamentable cases. The king was weeping right for a good word. <sighs> Biron did swear himself out of all suit. Dumaine was at my service and his sword. No point, quoth I. My servant straight was mute. Lord Longaville said, I came o'er her, his heart, and trow you what he called me? Uh, qualm, perhaps? Yes, in good faith. You're as sickness as thou art. Well, better wits have worn plain statue caps. But will you hear, the king is my love sworn. <laughs> and quick Barone hath plighted faith to me. And Longaville was for my service born. Dumaine is mine, as sure as bark on tree. Madam, and pretty mistresses, give ear. Immediately they will again be here in their own shapes, for it can never be they will digest this harsh indignity. Will they return? They will, they will, God knows, and leap for joy, though they are lame with blows. Therefore change favors, and when they repair, blow like sweet roses in this summer air. How blow, how blow, speak to be understood. 
fair ladies masked our roses in their bud, dismasked their damask sweet conmixture shown, our angels veiling clouds or roses blown. Vaunt perplexity. Uh, what shall we do if they return in their own shapes to woo? Good madam, if by me you'll be advised, let's mock them still as well known as disguised. Let us complain to them what fools were here, disguised like Muscovites in shapeless gear, and wonder what they were, and to what end their shallow shows and prologue vilely penned, and their rough carriage so ridiculous should be presented at our tent to us. Ladies, withdraw. The gallants are at hand. Uh, whip to our tents as Rose run or land. Princess Rosaline, Catherine, and Mariah re-enter Ferdinand, Barone, Longueville, and Dumaine in their proper habits. Mm. Hmm. Sir, sir, God save you. Where's the princess? Gone to her tent. Please it, your majesty. Command me any service to her thither? That she vouchsafe me audience for one word. I will, and so will she. I know, my lord. Exit. This fellow picks up wit as pigeons peas and utters it again with God doth please. He is wit's peddler and retails his wares and wakes and wassails, meetings, markets, fairs, and we that sell by gross, the Lord doth know, have not the grace to grace it with such show. This gallant pins the wenches on his sleeve. Had he been Adam, he had tempted Eve. Ah! can carve too and lisp why this is he that kissed his hand away in courtesy this is the ape of form monsieur the nice that when he plays at tables chides the dice in honorable terms nay he can sing a mean most meanly and in ushering men to him who can the ladies call him sweet the stairs, as he treads on them kiss his feet this is the flower that smiles on every one to show his teeth as white as whale's bone, and consciences that will not die in debt, pay him the dew of honey-tongued boyette. A blister on his sweet tongue, with my heart that puts our motto's page out of his part. <laughs> oh, see where it comes. <clears throat> Behavior. What wert thou till this madman showed thee, and what art thou now? Re-enter the princess, ushered by a boyer, Rosaline, Maria, and Catherine. All hail, sweet madam, and fair time of day. Fair in all hail is foul, as I conceive. Construe my speech is better, if you may. Then wish me better, and I will give you leave. We came to visit you, and purpose now to lead you to our court. Vouchsafe it then. This field shall hold me, and so hold your vow. Nor God nor I delights in perjured men. Rebuke me not for that which you provoke. The virtue of your eye must break my oath. You nickname virtue. Vice, you should have spoke. For virtue's office never breaks men's truth. Now, by my maiden honor, yet as pure as the unsullied lily, I protest. A world of torments, though I should endure, I would not yield to be your house's guest. So much I hate breaking cause to be of heavenly oaths vowed with integrity. Oh, you, you have lived in desolation here, unseen, unvisited. 
much to our shame. Mm. Not so, my lord. It is not so. I swear. We have had pastimes here and pleasant game. A mess of Russians <laughs> left us but of late. How, madam? Russians? Aye, in truth, my lord. A trim gallants full of um, courtship <laughs> and of state. Madam, speak true. It is not so, my lord. My lady, to the manner of the days, in courtesy gives undeserving praise. We four, indeed, confronted were with foreign Russian habit. Here they stayed an hour and talked to pace, and in that hour, my lord, they did not bless us with one happy word. I dare not call them fools, but as I think, when they are thirsty, fools would fain have drink. This jest is dry to me. Fair, gentle, sweet. Your wit makes wise things foolish. When we greet with eyes best seeing heaven's fiery eye, by light we lose light. Your capacity is of that nature that to your huge store wise things seem foolish and rich things but poor. Well, this proves you wise and rich, for in my eye... I am a fool and full of poverty. But that you take what doth to you belong. It were a fault to snatch words from my tongue. Oh, I am yours and all that I possess. All the fool mine. I cannot give you less. Which of the wizards was it that you wore? Where? When? What? What? Wizard? Hmm? What? Hmm? Why demand you this? Hmm? There, then. That wizard. That superfluous case that hid the worse and showed the better face. Um, You're described. They'll mock us now, downright. Let us confess and turn it into a jest. Amazed, my lord. Why looks your highness sad? Help! Hold his brows, he'll swoon. Why look you pale? Seasick? I think coming from Muscovy. <laughs> Thus pour the stars down plagues for perjury. Could any face a brass hold longer out? Hmm? Here I stand, lady. Dart thy skill at me. Bruise me with scorn. Confound me with a flout. Thrust thy sharp wit quite through my ignorance. Cut me to pieces with thy keen conceit, and I will wish thee never more to dance, nor never more in Russian habit wait. Oh, never will I trust to speeches penned, nor to the motion of a schoolboy's tongue, nor never come in visard to my friend, nor woo in rhyme like a blind harper's song. Taffeta phrases, silken terms precise, three piled hyperboles, spruce affectation figures pedantical. These summer flies have blown me full of maggot ostentation. I do forswear them. And I here protest by this white glove. How white the hand, God knows. Henceforth, my wooing mind shall be expressed in russet yeas and honest cursy noes. And to begin, wench, oh, God, help me, la. My love to thee is sound, 
Sounds crack or flaw. Sounds, sounds, I pray you. <laughs> Yet I have a trick of the old rage. Bear with me, I am sick. I'll leave it by degrees. Soft, let us see. Right, Lord have mercy on us on those three. They are infected. In their hearts it lies. They have the plague and caught it of your eyes. These lords are visited. You are not free for the Lord's tokens on you. Do I see? No. They are free that gave these tokens to us. Our states are forfeit. Seek not to undo us. It is not so. How can this be true that you stand forfeit being those that sue? Peace, for I will not have to do with you. Nor shall not if I do as I intend. Speak for yourselves, my wit is at an end. Teach us, sweet madam, for our rude transgression, some fair excuse. The fairest is confession. Were not you here, but even now disguised? Madam, I was. And were you well advised? Uh, I, I was, fair madam. When you were here, when you then were here, what did you whisper in your lady's ear? Uh, the, that more than all the world, I did respect her. When she shall challenge this, will you reject her? Upon mine honor, no. Peace, peace, forbear. Your oath once broke, you force not to forswear. Despise me when I break this oath of mine. I will, and therefore keep it. Rosaline, what did the Russian whisper in your ear? Madam, he swore that he did hold me dear as precious eyesight, and did value me above this world, adding therefore, moreover, that he would wed me, or else die my lover. God give thee joy of him. The noble lord most honorably doth unhold his word. What mean you, madam? Uh, by my life, my troth, I never swore this lady such an oath. By heaven you did, and to confirm it plain, you, uh, gave me this. I take it, sir, again. My faith, and this, the princess I did give. I knew her by the, this jewel on her sleeve. Oh, pardon mm -hmm. me, sir. This jewel did she wear? And Lord Barone, I thank him, is my dear. What will you have me or your pearl again? Neither of either. I remit both twain. <sighs> I see the trick on it. Here was a consent, knowing aforehand of our merriment to dash it like a Christmas comedy. Some carry tale, some please man, some slight zany, some mumble news, some treacherous night, some dick that smiles his chick in years and knows the trick to make my lady laugh when she's disposed. Told our intents before. Which one disclosed? 
the ladies did change favors, and then we, following the signs, wooed but the sign of she. Now, to our perjury, to add more terror, we are again forsworn in will and error. Much upon this it is, and might not you, boy it, forestall our sports to make us thus untrue? Do not you know my lady's foot by the squire, and laugh upon the apple of her eye? Hmm? And stand between her back, sir, and the fire, holding a treacher jesting merrily. You put our page out. Go. You're allowed. Die when you will. A smock shall be your shroud. You leer upon me, do you? There's an eye. Wounds like a leaden sword. Full merrily hath this brave manage, this career been run. Oh, he is tilting straight. Peace. I have done. Enter Custard. Welcome, pure wit. Now partest of fair fray. Oh, Lord, sir. They would know whether the three worthies shall come in or no. What are there but three? No, sir. But is very fine for everyone. Pursuance, three. And three times thrice is nine. Uh, uh, no, not so, sir. <laughs> Under correction, sir, I hope it is not so. Uh, do not beg us, sir, I can assure you, sir. We know what we know. I, I hope, sir, three times thrice, sir. Is not nine. <laughs> under, under direction, sir, we know where until it doth amount. By Jove, I always took three threes for nine. Oh, Lord, sir, it were pity you should get your living by reckoning, sir. How much is it? <laughs> oh, Lord, sir, the parties themselves, the actors, sir, will show where until it doth amount for mine own part. <laughs> I am, as they say, but to perfect one man and one poor man, Pompey and the great, sir. And Art thou <laughs> one of the worthies? Please them to think me worthy of Pompey and the great. <laughs> for my own part, <laughs> I know not the degree of the worthy, but I am to stand for him. Go! Bid them prepare. <laughs> We'll turn it off. Finally off, sir. <laughs> we'll take some care. Byron, they will shame us. Let them not approach. We are shame-proof, my lord. And tis some policy to have one show worse than the king's and his company. I say they shall not come. Nay, my good lord, let me o'errule you now. That sport best pleases that doth least know how. Uh, where zeal strives to contend, and the contents dies in the zeal of that which it presents. Their form confounded makes most form in mirth. When great things laboring perish in their birth. A right description of our sport, my lord. Enter Don Adriano de Armado. Anointed. I implore so much expense of the royal sweet breath as will utter a brace of words. 
converse apart with Ferdinand and delivers him a letter, uh, delivers him a paper. Uh, doth this man serve God? Why ask you? He speaks not like a man of God's making. That is all, my fair, sweet, honey monarch, for I protest the schoolmaster is exceeding fantastical, too vain, too, too vain. But we will put it, as they say, to Fortuna de la Guerra. I wish you the peace of mind, most royal compliment. Exit. Here is like to be a good presence of where these. Uh, he presents Hector of Troy, uh, the Swain, Pompey the Great, uh, the Paris Curate, uh, Alexander, Armado's Page, Hercules, uh, the Pedant, Judas Maccabeus, and if these four worthies in their first show thrive, these four will change habits and present the other five. There is five in the first show. You are deceived, tis not so. The Pedant, the Baggard, the Hedge Priest, the Fool, and the Boy. A bait throw at Novum, and the whole world again cannot pick out five such. Take each one in his vein. Oh, the ship is under sail. And here she comes amain. And took a start for Poppy. Hi! I, Poppy, am... You lie. You are not he. I, Pompey, am... With Libbard's head on knee. Well said, old mocker. I must needs be friends with thee. I, Pompey, am... Pompey surnamed The Big... The Great. <laughs> it is... Great, sir. <laughs> Poppy surnamed the Great, uh, that often filled with targe and shield, did make my foe to sweats. And traveling along the coast, I am come, I hear I'm come by chance, <laughs> and lay my arms before the legs of this sweet lass. <laughs> and if your ladyship would say thanks Pompey I am done great thanks great Pompey it is not so much worth but I hope I was perfect <laughs> I made a little fault in great my hat to a halfpenny Pompey proves the best worthy Dear Sir Nathaniel for Alexander when in the world I lived, I, I was the world's commander. By east, west, north, and south, I spread my conquering might. My scorching plain declares that I am Alexander. Your nose says, no, you are not, for it stands to right. <laughs> Your nose smells no in this most tender-smelling night. Uh, the conqueror is dismayed. Uh, proceed, good Alexander. When in the world I lived, I was the world's commander. 
Most true. Tis right. You were so, Alessander. Pompey the Great. Your servant, Aunt Castard. Uh, take away the conqueror. Take away Alessander. Oh, sir. You have overthrown Alessander the conqueror. You'll be scrapped out of the big cloth for this. You the lion that holds his pole axe sitting on a clothes stool will be given to Ajax. He will be the ninth. A conqueror on a few to speak. <laughs> and it please you, and shall please you a foolish, mild man, an honest man. He's a marvelous good neighbor, safe, and a very good bowler. But for Alexander, alas, you see how it is, and a little over parted. <laughs> But there are worthies are coming. We'll speak their mind in some other sort. <laughs> we'll speak their mind in some other Sort. Oh, hey, look, it looks like Hoffer is for Judas oh, and Ma for Hercules. Wow. Hercules? Yeah. Hercules. Oh. Sorry, I got lost. Judas and Ma for Hercules. Hercules is presented by this imp whose club killed Cerberus, that three headed Canis. And when he was a babe, a child, a shrimp, thus did he strangle serpents in his manis. Quonian, he seemeth in minority. Ergo, I come with this apology. Keep some state in thy exit and vanish. Moth retires. Judas, I am. A uh, Judas! Not Iscariot, sir. Judas, I am Eclipid Maccabeus. Judas Maccabeus clipped is plain Judas. A kissing traitor. How art thou proved, Judas? Judas, I am. The more shame for you, Judas. What mean you, sir? To make Judas hang himself. Begin, sir, you are my elder. Well followed, Judas was hanged on an elder. I will not be put out of countenance. Because thou hast no face? What is this? A citern head. The head of a bodkin. Ooh, a death's face in a ring. The face of an old Roman coin, scarce seen. The pommel of Caesar's falchion. The carved bone face on a flask. Uh, St. George's half cheek and a brooch. I and a brooch of lead. I and the worn in the cap of a tooth drawer. And now forward, we have put thee in countenance. You have put me out of countenance. False. We have given thee faces. But you have outfaced them all. And thou wert a lie, and we would do so. Therefore, as he is an ass, let him go. And so adieu, sweet Jude. Nay, why dost thou stay? Uh, for the latter end of his name. <laughs> for the ass to the Jude, give it him. Judas, away. <laughs> it's not generous. Not gentle. 
not humble. A light for Monsieur Judas. It grows dark. He may stumble. Alphonas retires. Alas, for Maccabeus, <laughs> how hath he been baited? Enter Don Adriano de Armado for Hector. Hide thy head, Achilles. Here comes Hector at arms. Though my mocks come home by me, I will now be merry. Hector was but a Trojan in this respect of his. But is this Hector? I think Hector was not so clean-timbered. His leg is too big for Hector's. Or calf, certain. No, he is best endued in the small. <laughs> this cannot be Hector. He's a god or a painter, for he makes faces. The omnipotent Mars of Lances, the Almighty, gave Hector a gift. A gilt nutmeg. A lemon. <laughs> Stuck with cloves. No, cloven. Beats. <laughs> The armament of Mars, of Lances the Almighty, gave Hector a gift, the heir of Ilium. A man so breathed that certain he would fight, yea, from morn till night, out of his pavilion. I am that flower. That mint. That columbine. Wait, Lord Longaville, rain thy tongue. I must rather give it the rain, for it runs against Hector. I and Hector's a greyhound. This sweet war man is dead and rotten, sweet chucks. Beat not the bones of the buried. When he breathed, he was a man. But I will forward with my device. Sweet royalty, bestow on me the sense of hearing. Sweet, brave Hector, we are much delighted. I do adore thy sweet. Great slipper. Loves her by the foot. Ah, uh, he may not by the yard. This Hector far surmounted Hannibal. Oh, the party is gone, follow Hector. <laughs> she is gone. She is two months on her way. What meanest thou? <laughs> Faith, unless you play the honest, Trojan. The poor wench is cast away. She's quick. The child brags in her belly already. Tis yours. Dost thou infamanize me among potentates? Thou shalt die. And shall Hector be whipped for Jacquinetta that is quick by him and hanged for Pompey that is dead by him. Most rare Pompey! Renowned Pompey! Greater than great, 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 great Pompey! Pompey the Huge! Hector trembles. Pompey is moved. More Attis! More Attis! Stir them on! Stir them on! Hector will challenge him! Aye, if I have no man's blood in his belly, then we'll sup a flea. By the North Pole, I do challenge you. Not fight with a pole <laughs> like a northern man. I'll slash and do by the sword. <laughs> I pray you, let me borrow my arms again. Room for the incensed worthies. I'll do it in my shirt. <laughs> Most resolute Pompey. Master, let me take you a buttonhole lower. Do you not see Pompey is uncasing for the combat? What mean you? You will lose your reputation. 
gentlemen and soldiers. Pardon me, I will not combat in my shirt. You may not deny it, Pompey hath made the challenge. Sweet bloods, I both may and will. What reason have you for it? The naked truth of it is, I have no shirt. <laughs> I go woolward for penance. True, and it was enjoined him in Rome for want of linen, since when I'll be sworn he wore none but a dishclout of Jaquinetta's, and that <laughs> wears next his heart for a favor. Enter Mercade. God save you, madam. Welcome, Mercade, but that thou interruptest our merriment. I am sorry, madam, for the news I bring is heavy in my tongue. The king, your father... He's dead. For my life. Even so, my tale is told. Where are these away? The scene begins to cloud. For mine own part, I breathe free breath. I have seen the day of wrong, though the little hole of discretion, and I will write myself like a soldier. Saint Worthies. Affairs, Your Majesty. Boyer, prepare. I will await tonight. Madam, not so. I do beseech you. Stay. Prepare, I say. I thank you. Gracious lords, for all your fair endeavors, and entreat out of a new sad soul that you vouchsafe in your rich wisdom to excuse or hide the liberal opposition of our spirits. If overboldly we have borne ourselves in the converse of breath, your gentleness was guilty of it. Farewell, worthy lord. Heavy heart bears not a nimble tongue. Excuse me so, coming too short of thanks for my great suit to so easily obtain. The extreme parts of time extremely forms all causes to the purpose of his speed. And often at his very loose decides that which long process could not arbitrate. And though the morning brow of progeny forbid the smiling courtesy of love, the holy suit which fain it would convince, yet since love's argument was first on foot, but not the cloud of sorrow just jostle it from what it purposed, since wail friends lost is not by much so wholesome profitable as to rejoice at friends but newly found. I understand you not. My griefs are double. Honest plain words best pierce the ear of grief. And by these badges understand the king. For your sakes, we have neglected time, played foul with our oaths, your beauty, Ladies, hath much deformed us, fashioning our humors, even to the opposed ends of our intents. And what in us hath seemed ridiculous, as love is full of unbefitting strains, all wanton as a child, skipping in vain, formed by the eye, and therefore, like the eye, full of strange shapes of habits of forms, varying in subjects as the eye doth roll to every varied object in his glance, which party-coated presence of loose love put on by us, if in your heavenly eyes. 
have misbecomed our oaths and gravities. Those heavenly eyes that look into these faults suggested us to make. Therefore, ladies, our love being yours, the error that love makes is likewise yours. We to ourselves prove false by being once false forever to be true to those that make us both. Fair ladies, you, and even that falsehood in itself a sin, thus purifies itself and turns to grace. We have received your letters full of love, your favors, the ambassadors of love, and in our maiden council rated them a courtship, pleasant jest and courtesy. As bombast and as lining to the time, but more devout than this in our respects have we not been, and therefore met your loves in their own fashion, like a merriment. Our letters, madam, showed much more than jest. So did our looks. We did not quote them so. Now, at the latest minute of the hour, grant us your loves. A time, he thinks, too short. To make a world without end bargain in it. No, no, my lord, your grace has perjured much. Full of dear guiltiness, and therefore this, if for my love, as there is no such cause, you will do aught, this shall you do for me. Your oath, I will not trust. But go with speed to some forlorn and naked hermitage, remote from all the pleasures of the world, and there stay until the twelve celestial signs have brought about the annual reckoning. If this austere and sociable life char change not your offer made in heat of blood, if frosts and fasts, hard lodging and thin weeds nip not the gaudy blossoms of your love, but that it bear this trial and last love, then at the expiration of the year, come challenge me. Challenge me by these dearest and by this virgin balm, now kissing thine, I will be thine. Until that instant shut my woeful self up in a mourning house, raining the tears of lamentation for the remembrance of my father's death. If this thou do deny, let our hands part. Neither entitled in the other's heart. If this, or more than this, I would deny to flatter up these powers of mine. With rest, the sudden hand of death close up mine eye. Hence, ever then in my heart, or ever, <laughs> hence, ever then my heart is in thy breast. But what to me, my love, but what to me, a wife? A beard, fair health, and honesty. <laughs> With threefold love, I wish you all these three. Oh, shall I say I thank you, gentle wife? Not so, my lord. A twelve-month and a day. I'll mark no words that smooth-faced wooers say. Come when the king doth to my lady come. Then if I have much love, I'll give you some. I'll serve thee true and faithfully till then. 
yet swear not, yet lest ye be forsworn again. What says Maria? At the twelve months end, I'll change my black gown for a faithful friend. I'll stay with patience, but the time is long. The liker you, you taller are so young. Studies, my lady? <laughs> Mistress, look on me. Behold the window of my heart, mine eye. What humble suit attends thy answer there? Impose some service on me for thy love. Oft have I heard of you, my Lord Byron, my Lord Baron. Before I saw you, and the world's large tongue proclaims you for a man replete with mocks, full of comparisons and wounding flouts, which you and all estates will execute, that lie within the mercy of your wit to weed this wormwood from your fruitful brain and therewithal to win me, if you please, without the which I am not to be won. You shall this twelve-month term from day to day visit the speechless sick and still converse with groaning witches and your task shall be with all the fierce endeavor of your wit to enforce the pained impotent to smile. To move wild laughter in the throat of death. It cannot be. It is impossible. Mirth cannot move a soul in agony. Why, that's the way to choke a jibing spirit whose influence is begot of that loose grace which shallow laughing hearers give to fools. The jest's prosperity lies in the ears of him that hears it, never in the tongue of him that makes it. Then if sickly ears, deft with the clamors of their own dear groans, will hear your idle scorns, continue then. And I will have you, and that fault with all. But if they will not, throw away that spirit, and I shall find you empty of that fault, right joyful of your reformation. A twelve-month? Well, befall what will befall. I'll just a twelve-month in a hospital. I my sweet lord, and so I take my leave. No, madam, we'll bring you on your way. Our wooing doth not end like an old play. Jack hath not Jill. These ladies' courtesy might well have made our sport a comedy. Come, sir, it wants a twelve month and a day, and then twill end. That's too long for a play. We enter Don Adriano de Armado. Oh, God, this guy. Sweet majesty, vouchsafe me. Uh, was not that Hector? The worthy knight of Troy. <laughs> I will kiss thy royal finger and oh. take leave. I am a votary. I have vowed to Jacanetta to hold the plow for her sweet love three years. But most esteemed greatness, Will you hear the dialogue that the two learned men have compiled in praise of the owl and the cuckoo? It, it should have followed in the end of our show. <laughs> Call him forth quickly. We will do so. Hola! Approach!
Uh, this side is Hans, winter, this bear, the spring. Uh, the one maintained by the owl, the other by the cuckoo. There, begin. When daisies pied and violets bloom, and ladies books are silver white, and cuckoo buds of yellow hue, to paint the meadows with delight, the cuckoo then on every tree must merry men for the sing sea. after the songs of Apollo. You that way, we this way. 